0: This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and supporting listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click
1: Donate, or visit Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd to become a supporter today.
2: Ha-cha!
3: Hi, this is Paul Aller, writer of Clue, or Cluedo if you'd prefer, from IDW, and you're listening to the Two-Headed Nerd with Joe and Matt.
0: Broadcasting from the ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to episode 13 of the Two-Headed Nerd comic book podcast. My name's
4: Matt Baum. And I'm Joe Patrick. Together we are the Two-Headed Nerd, two heterosexual males that don't need a day to celebrate our love with more than 60?
0: I don't know. I change the number every week.
4: A hundred? Years of combined comic book knowledge bonded by an ancient curse and forced to discuss the week's comic book news and reviews for your listening pleasure.
0: In this episode, Joe and I will show off some road tricks, baby driver style, while we review 12 of this week's new comics. Then, we'll visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where we'll be digging deeper into the anonymous hacker collective's claim that NASA is getting ready to announce they have evidence of alien life. And we'll talk about some comics we're excited to read next week. And finally... We'll quit writing the format of this show all together when we open the phone lines to talk to you nerds for our cover-to-cover cover segment. But before we take the leaked X cover of Savage Dragon 225 into the restroom for some research purposes, we better talk about this week's Nerd News! Gross. It's very sexy. <laughs> yeah.
4: A fan campaign has been circulating in an effort to see comics legend Jack Kirby honored with a Google Doodle on August 28th, 2017, what would have been his 100th birthday, Matt,
0: do you know what a Google Doodle is? Yeah, it's the Google thing, when you yeah. go to the Google page. Where it's Scott like, the- uh, it's,
4: it's, the, it's Marie Curie, it would have been Marie Curie's 280th birthday. Yeah,
0: and who knows who she is? Come on, we're talking yeah. about Jack Kirby here. Uh, she discovered radium. Yeah, so, says you.
4: <laughs> Jack Kirby was, oh yeah, her and her husband were horrifyingly radioactive. Kirby was, of course, instrumental in the creation of the Marvel Universe as we know it, as well as many lasting concepts at DC Comics. His work has served as inspiration for nearly every comic creator that came after him, and his creations have continued to entertain millions of people around the world in the form of comics, TV shows, blockbuster films, and more. Even the the shitty DC films are all about Jack Kirby. They've got parademons.
0: It's true. Joe Patrick, how would a nerd like me go about letting a giant company like Google know that they should do this? I'm so
4: glad you asked. (laughs) To draw attention to the idea and hope that Google takes heed, the fan campaign suggests three things. One, emailing proposals at google.com with the subject line, Google Doodle for Jack Kirby August 28th, 2017. Second, list your reasons for why you believe Kirby should receive the honor in the body of the message and spread the word on social media with the hashtag Doodle for Jack. Hashtag doodle for Jack. Oh, man. Hashtag jackadoodle. Stop saying that. <laughs> uh, of course, though, a Google doodle wouldn't mean anything in terms of further monetary compensation for Kirby's heirs. It is just one small way to honor the man that basically defined the medium that we love so much. I think it's an amazing
0: idea. Yeah. I already sent my email. Sure uh, and I think uh, every fan can get behind this. Sure, sure. I'm going to email them. Why not? They've had Google doodles for way dumber shit than Jack Kirby. <laughs> I mean, I don't understand why they couldn't do this. You know? It's not dumb shit, man. They're historical figures and important discoveries. Yeah, but I mean, when you think about it, we're talking about a, a cute little like Google thing that wiggles around, and goes, "Oh look, Einstein was smart," you know? Oh my god! <laughs> look, I'm all for it. I just think it's dumb. All right. <laughs> Wow, ABC you're released- really selling the idea. <laughs> yeah, I know. ABC released the first trailer for their upcoming Inhuman show this week, featuring our first look at the royal family in, well, action, I guess.
4: I guess if you, that's a one word for it.
0: <laughs> Joe, I've watched it a few times now, and I'm still not convinced they gave Gorgon his hooves.
4: They didn't. I, I he looked, ain't got no goat legs. I looked so closely, and it's very unclear, but I
0: didn't see any hooves. He ain't got no goat legs. I wanted them hooves.
4: I mean, it had lockjaw in it.
0: Okay, time out. Let's watch it right now. All right. Okay, we just took a little break and watched it again. Man, it looks weak. Totally weak. I'm like and totally weak.
4: I was trying to be optimistic about the inhuman show. Yeah. That first promo image they released with the cast in, in their costumes
0: Didn't really do much for me. It looked like five different people in five different shows, if you ask me. And Medusa looks terrible. I don't think... uh, Okay. And how come her hair's not moving? That hair needs to be
4: moving around (laughs) nonstop. Yes, she's the lady of the living hair. Right, yeah. It just needs to be like floating around. Doing shit. Yeah. And I get it. It's it's television. It's not the big budget movie that they were
0: hoping to to make. They still have a teleporting giant pug. They used all... (laughs) It's like they used
4: all their budget on lockjaw (laughs) effects. (laughs) We saw Um, Triton running around. Yeah, the green yeah, fan. Yeah, yeah. Um uh, so there's no than, goat legs. Other than Triton. No goat legs. <laughs> I don't think there are goat legs, and that's disappointing. On Gorgon, of course. Yeah. So No, I meant th- on
0: Crystal. Yeah, <laughs>
4: hey, look, <laughs> other than other than Triton, who you see very briefly. Right. All of the inhumans just look like people. Yeah. And that bugs me. I'm trying very hard to to be optimistic about the show. I it's not working. Yeah. It's not working. Yeah. Uh, it might be good. I just don't know. But like the main guy in charge is the guy that made iron fist. And it's just like, I'm not full of confidence.
0: No, I am not either. Uh, it just looks weak. I'm sorry, but the inhumans are supposed to be bizarre. The inhumans are supposed to be these crazy figures. They don't look or act like us. This looks like a tribe of Hollywood extras living on the moon. That's it. I mean, I'll tell you what. In like, that- remember when we got the Morlocks in the second X Men movie, and we all went, eh. <laughs> Like it's just a bunch of like rave kids with oh, tattoos that was on in their X- face. X Men Three was it? X Men Three, yeah. yeah. The and they were just a bunch of rave kids with tattoos on their face, right? You know? yeah. I mean, like, where's all the weirdos? Where's these are the Inhumans, man. Give me like go nuts. Let's get weird, and you don't have to put people in costumes. CG some weird shit, like people flying around and dudes that melt, and you know, yeah. It, I'll tell you what, it,
4: in that in those crowd scenes that took place where Maximus was giving his speech and all that, if there had been just like an array of bizarre looking
0: humanoids, right?
4: I I would have at least gone, oh well, okay, yeah, sure. But they just look like people. They look like people in weird outfits. Yeah,
0: they look like people in District Twelve or
4: whatever. You <laughs> yeah, know, like, yes. <laughs> you right.
0: They've all like Black Bolt volunteers as tribute. Right. And, you know,
2: like, yeah.
4: and here's he's he- headed to the Hungry Games. Totally. <laughs> uh, and another, uh, again, this is nitpicking, and I know they needed to. They need to illustrate Black Bolt's deal for people that sure. don't know. Sure. But Black Bolt does not grunt yeah. accidentally. <laughs> <Ugh>. uh, <laughs> That that man has decades of training yeah.
0: to bottle up his weapon of mass destruction in his throat. And you know what I don't care about? Black Bolt without a mask. I don't care. Uh, yeah, no tuning fork. He's just some dude. He looks like the poor man's Damien Lewis to me. It's funny know.
4: you should mention Damien Lewis. Why? Because let's segue to our next uh, okay next topic. Uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is expanding. We By know the way, this. we did not plan that. No. I don't even
0: know what's going to happen. I know.
4: Uh, And the retirement of some of its top stars is getting more likely with each new film. We can agree on that, right? Like, someday, Robert Downey Jr. is not going to be in these movies anymore. Don't
0: you dare say that.
4: I'm just saying, they're going to keep making these movies, and some of these people will not be around anymore. Gotcha. So it only seems natural that Marvel would be looking at new heroes to fill the gaps. Now, Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige has revealed at least one of the possible new additions to the MCU, none other than Captain Britain.
0: Ugh. Ugh, couldn't be happier.
4: (laughs) In an interview with, hey, you guys!
0: (laughs) I assume that's how you're supposed to say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: Feige said, quote, we have discussed it. There are a lot of actors that come in and ask about that part, so we'll have to see.
0: Captain Britain. So there's people just lining up, like, hey, uh, uh, Captain! Britain, I would love to be Captain uh, Britain.
4: Uh, pip, pip, <laughs> Kevin Feige, pip, pip. Really? <laughs> Cheerio, mate.
0: Like, who's coming in?
4: Captain Britain was created by Chris Claremont and Herb Trimpey for Marvel UK, and he eventually made his way into the American comics. Uh, in the 90s, he was associated with the X-Men through Excalibur, and recently he's had his own team, MI-13, which is a great book by Paul oh, Cornell, Wonderful, and was in The Secret Avengers, Psylocke, Captain Britain's sister, is, of course, a long-running X-Men character. She showed up in X-Men Apocalypse, played by Olivia Munn. Kind of. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Now, Matt, I know how much you love Captain Britain. Who is your big screen Brian Braddock? Uh, Yeah,
0: dude.
4: Damien Watson said head would kill it. Me? That was why I brought it up. He would be totally great. Here's where I'm at with Captain Britain. I view Captain Britain as this kind of, not old, but like... I'm okay with Captain Britain not being this young ripped dude. He can be like a stocky fit, like Damian Lewis is not some. He's
0: in pretty good shape.
4: Yeah, but he's not like some twenty something underwear model that they no, shove no, into no, a no, superhero no. costume. No. Yeah, like Mark Valley either. He's like a big, fit, stocky
0: dude. Yeah, older. Damian Lewis is forty six. Yeah, like Captain Britain should have been around for a while.
4: I totally would be. F- I would be totally fine with an actor like that playing that role. Sure, because you know. Everything's older in England. Everything's right. been around for hundreds of hundreds of
0: years. Right, and, and maybe he's been gone for forty years, and blip, he comes back out of magic you world, and like, oh, I'm back. That only took a week, and they're like, no, Cap, oh, you've yeah. been gone for a long oh, damn time. He was on an adventure you
4: know. with the Captain Britain Corps. Whatever, yeah. <laughs> in the multiverse. Oh man.
0: Oh man. Too
4: nerdy. <laughs> There's no way. I love it. But yeah, I would. I would love Captain Britain in the Marvel Cinematic
0: Universe. Totally. Who plays in? That's the real question. <laughs> <laughs>
4: That's the big news for this week. If you want to discuss these stories and everything we missed, head to the THN forums. We've got a big news section. You can yell at us there, and uh, yeah, we'll wrap about it. Give us your pitch for big screen Captain Britain. Yeah. Let's shit on the Inhumans trailer a little bit more because man, it did nothing
0: for me. Nothing. That's just it. Like no goosebumps. No, I didn't even smile. Even Lockjaw showed up.
4: Lockjaw was my favorite part. Yeah. And he's in it for like two seconds.
0: Every Sunday, my favorite teleporting pug, Joe Patrick, posts the question of the week in the THN forums. Joey, what are we asking the nerds this week? This week's question comes from Black Scorpion the Three, who writes,
4: The Black Scorpion clan have all just moved into our first house. They were homeless before this? Uh, No, I don't think that's what he means. Oh, okay. (laughs) Feels good to settle into a place that feels like home. What is your favorite superhero base hideout, fortress, or
0: headquarters. Love this.
4: Now, I'm going to expand on this a little bit. Love this. I'm just going to say favorite fictional base. Sure, sure, sure. Right? Yeah. Uh, Hero or villain, whatever. If you like
0: Snake Mountain is your jam, that's fine. Yeah, it could be like cartoon or movie or whatever. But
4: yeah, favorite fictional headquarters. Sure. I, I love that it. it's a great question. Good and guy I,
0: good guy or bad guy
4: headquarters. And I am stunned that it's taken us this long to even touch on it. This is a
0: great question.
4: You can call the Ziggurat hotline 402-819-4894 and leave a message there. You can also email your MP3 answer to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. You've got two minutes in both of those cases to get it done. We will cut you off. Those are the rules.
0: That's how it was.
4: However, if you want internet nerds to swipe right on your profile, you can call us live next Saturday at the aforementioned Ziggurat Hotline, recorded,
0: I think, live from comic Con. We're going to be live from Ocomic Con.
4: Holy smokes. Or you can click the call now button on our Facebook page. It's all Jesus. It's we don't totally care. radical.
0: Totally radical. If you need more than two minutes, head over to the THN web forums. We talk about them all the time because they are awesome. There. You can join our throng of nerdy snowflake listeners in the discussion. The forums are where nerd shit gets real on this show.
4: Why are they snowflakes? Because they're all special. Okay. You don't mean it like...
0: No, not like bro flakes. Not
4: like a men's right activist would yeah, say yeah. snowflake.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, not like the broflakes. Broflakes.
4: <laughs> it's the 4th of July weekend, and in true patriotic form, Matt and I have decided to look past the fact... That our president is a small, fat, ugly, and bright orange piece of shit of a man that has no respect for women whatsoever, and instead, celebrate our patriotism by getting irresponsibly drunk. I mean...
0: Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, like, don't light that firework drunk. Uh,
4: and yet, feeding artillery shell tubes through the flies of our pants that's and right. shooting fireworks from our dinguses in a celebration of freedom. Well, not actually from our dinguses. I mean, but that's what it's gonna look like. That's yeah, what it's gonna
3: yeah, look yeah. like. Yeah, it'll look
4: awesome. All while we review 12 more of this week's comics during the Ludicrous Speed Round! Ludicrous Speed! Go!
0: Bank Shot! We know that it's called Bank Shot. For sure. Okay, you saw the cover. It's on the cover. Bank shot number one from Dark Horse, 32 pages for $3.99
4: really wanted to love this first issue. So did I. By Alex Campy and Criss Cross, but the story spends so much time in a flashback that never gets resolved, we never get a great opportunity to see what the protagonist, Marcus King, is all about in the present day. There are a couple of brief scenes that touch on King's modern activities, but otherwise the issue is mired in a flashback about King's military past that ends on a cliffhanger. Based on the solicit, which pumped up the main character as a one-man army crossed with Robin Hood, the issue
0: doesn't deliver. Yeah, maybe we're getting there. I don't uh, yeah, know. Sure. it doesn't get there here.
4: Plus, and I don't often notice these things, or I don't like to complain about them, but DeCampy does her own lettering here, and it's not great. Oh,
0: that didn't bother me too bad. And, like,
4: oh. I noticed that it was, like, really odd. It was different. Um, I, I was noticeably yeah. different. It is well-written. It's beautifully illustrated by Chris Goss. Yeah. There's promise in the pages. I really like the creators involved. I'm giving Bang Shot number one a skin.
0: That's exactly where I'm at.
4: All right blood brothers number
0: one from dynamite it's 32 pages for 399 i had no idea what this was i just saw it was a number one so i grabbed it and i was pleasantly surprised diego and gabriel solis are two brothers solving crimes in a city inhabited by just about every fantastic creature you can think of one is a detective that gets punched a lot i've read this and the other is a mass luchador that doles out punches Writer Fabian Wrangell Jr. and artist Javier Martin Gaba build a wonderful world for these two characters that solve their problems with handguns and suplexes. I loved every page of the story and can't wait for more. The Adventures of Blood Brothers gets a huge buy at Beautiful Canvas, number one from Black Mask. It's 32 pages. It costs fourteen ninety-nine. No, no, no. Sorry. That was from the kids' book I did last oh, week. I'm, okay. sure it was, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's three
4: ninety-nine. Three ninety-nine. Okay. <laughs> Are you fucking insane? It's, it's normal comic book <laughs> price, I'm sure. <laughs> Uh, Lon Isley is a hit woman hired to kill a small child a few days after discovering that her girlfriend is pregnant. God,
0: just like me. I
4: know. Naturally, (laughs) Lon balks at the assignment and takes off with the kid, much to the chagrin of the Hannibal Lecter-style murder artist that hired her. I was really enjoying the story by negative space writer Ryan Lindsay, artist Sammy Cavella, and colorist Triona Farrell. The art and coloring are outstanding, and the script is compelling, but then out of nowhere the story introduces mutant human animal hybrids and superpowers like okay I,
0: out of the fucking blue i feel like this is happening in a lot of black mask titles that we've reviewed where it's like hey this story is pretty good and then all of a sudden what in the fuck you know yeah, like, why does that guy have snake arms how come everyone is suddenly flying you yeah, know? yeah 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 <laughs> and it just i hit that
4: and it took me right out of it The story already kind of existed in this, like, Brian Fuller-esque, hyper-real, exaggerated world, but the addition of the sci-fi elements threw me for a loop. I'm giving Beautiful Canvas number one a skim it because the late-game twist complicated the plot to the point of distraction for me.
0: This is a symptom of several Black Mask books for me as well.
4: I mean, maybe they were going for something. It It just...
0: yeah, you got to start out the gate. With yeah, like that. I, I I wasn't ready for like, it. Like, look, these rhinos talk, okay? Yeah, it's <laughs> called the Elephant Men. What yes. do you want? You exactly, know? <laughs> exactly.
4: <laughs> Secret Weapons Number One from Valiant. It's
0: thirty-two pages for three ninety-nine. Academy Award. Heiserer, nom- got you. Academy Award-nominated screenwriter Eric Hesiserer is in charge of Valiant's latest prestige crossover, and his story of the failed members of Toyo Harada's Harbinger program is wonderful. Hardbringer. Hardbringer. Here, Livewire, one of Harada's most favored psiots, is gathering the throwaway candidates of Harada's Hardbringer program to form her own team. Harvey Award-nominated artist Raul Allen brings this book to life with his highly detailed and beautiful pencils. Heiserer's script pulls you into these previously unknown characters' world perfectly. I know I continually gush about the high quality of Valiant's titles, but they've done it again here with a story that Marvel should take note of with their new Generation X book. This is exactly what I wish Generation X would have been. Secret Weapons number one was a wonderful read and beautifully illustrated by this comic. All of you, go to it now. I'll wait. Okay, we're back. Scrimshaw number one from Alterna, 32 pages. It's a buck fifty. Yeah, right? You got a buck fifty. You're probably
4: laying around in your car. Yeah, right. With the planet ravaged by war and mostly underwater, get it down to
0: make sure you didn't give it a leave it. <laughs> no, no, I didn't.
4: Ruthless corporations have the world's governments in their pockets. Faced with impossible odds, Captain Hans Takana... nope Tanaka. Captain Hans Tanaka—and the rest of the crew of the Runaway Horse—it's a great boat name. Yeah, have been branded as pirates, cutthroat smurks. They're the good guys. I quite enjoyed the world building done here by writer Eric Borden and artist Dave Mims. In the wake of an environmental catastrophe, Japan has asserted itself as the dominant world power. So everything has this kind of Firefly-esque Japanese tinge to it.
0: Yeah, it was Chinese and Firefly. but
4: My complaint about this comic, and it is a big one, is that while I enjoy Dave Mims's art style. I found his storytelling to be nearly incomprehensible on many of the pages. How do you mean? Like I love I love how he draws, but right. he's not good at telling a story visually. Oh, okay. Okay. Sequential art, Gotcha. You know what I mean? Sure. It's a whole different skill set. Right. But if you step back and let the script speak for itself, it still works. The story is good. And at a buck 50, like Matt said, I'm giving scrimshaw number one a buy it because I like the style of the art, even though the execution kind of falls down, and the story hooked me. This is uh, uh, Alterna is putting out a lot of books right now, and they're doing this huge push. They're putting out books on newsprint at a very cheap price point. It's cool. Uh, of course, I read this digitally because they send a review copy, but right. um, it's a cool idea. Yeah, uh, uh Ryan Mount Hebrews, just did a n- nice interview with the creator of Little Dark, another you can find alterna that book
0: at the twoheadednerd.com. Right.
4: And so yeah, I'm I'm saying alterna comics, check them out.
0: That's www. Two-headed nerd, not the two-headed
4: nerd. It's Edge of Venomverse number 1. We had to get here. Oh yeah. From Marvel, it's 32 pages, 3.99. Stay with me here. Is it is it only 32 pages for 3.99? Yeah.
0: Right. The event that spawned from a series of variant covers comes to life in what seems to be a completely separate Marvel continuity featuring a aged D-aged X-23, still a little girl, but this time, you guessed it, she's infected by the venom virus! Here, X-23 is squatting in a building with a group of homeless kids, one of which is obviously modeled after Yolandi Visser, rapper and singer in the South African group d Antword. If you don't know them, check them out. They're weird as fucking hell. Yeah, it's exactly what I thought when I saw the art. The kids live a desperate lifestyle, stealing ice cream from naive delivery drivers while dodging street thugs. They owe money for some off-panel illicit activities, I guess. And they all get infected by the venom virus, as it's referred to by the generic government agents that are hunting X-23 down. I like Roland Boshi's art, but it Did not work here for me. And when I think of Venom, I think of Todd McFarlane. I think of Clayton Crane, I think of flashy, sexy, 90s comic art, not Roland Boshi's soft focus style. This is Marvel's attempt I disagree, but okay. Whatever. This is Marvel's attempt at recapturing the lightning in a bottle that was Marvel's zombie verse, and it's not working here, nor do I think it will work. This is poor execution with a poor choice of creators based on a bad idea spawned from churning sales for variant for the variant market that lives on speculation and represents the worst of comic collectors. Oof. I cannot give this a bigger leave it. It was a piece of shit. And the worst part is, when you get to the final page, they go, coming up in Age of Venomverse, 12 more fucking issues and spinoffs of this crap. Brace yourself, Edge of Venomverse is Uh... just a prelude to Venomverse. Good lord.
4: Uh, my take on it it's not as bad as I was thinking it would be yes it's stupid yes this is a really dumb event it's a cash grab I thought that this issue in particular was perfectly well executed yeah. I like Matthew Rosenberg as a writer I love Roland Bashi. I like
0: Rosenberg too and I like Roland Boshi I think they had an impossible task
4: I think you're being too hard on the creative team
0: and yes I think they had an impossible task
4: I think the issue is fine the event is stupid Batman Elmer flood special from DC 48 pages 499. Okay. Would you believe me if I said that my favorite single issue of the year so far starred Elmer Fudd and human versions of your favorite Looney Tunes
0: characters? I would, because he's been crowing about it on Twitter all week.
4: I wouldn't have believed me either, but here we are. Batman writer Tom King teams up with the legendary Lee Weeks for a murder mystery starring everyone's favorite hunter with a speech impediment. You see, the love of Fudd's life has been brutally murdered by twitchy hitman Bugs the Bunny, and he has fingered millionaire playboy Bruce Wayne as the one pulling the strings. What follows is one of the most sincere love letters to these two properties told in a deadly serious, noir-as-hell comic style. Weeks has given human designs to these beloved cartoons that are both instantly recognizable and right at home in this gritty world. I was completely captivated by it from start to finish. As with the other specials, there's a backup done in the more traditional Looney Tunes style, also written by King with artist Byron Bonds. It's fine, it's perfectly fun. But after that lead story, I wanted more. Forget what you think about it, forget your preconceptions about these Looney Tunes tie-ins. I know that they may not all be great, but some of them are exceptional. Batman Elmer Fudd was the best thing I read this week. I'm giving it a huge buy it.
0: I loved it too. I just wish they would have gone full on cartoon. Oh no. Like don't humanize it.
4: No, no. (laughs) Okay, sure. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Full
0: on cartoon. I
4: see what you're saying, but like, I just loved the fact like, yeah, that's Bugs Bunny. That guy is Bugs Bunny. That twitchy ass dude with the big teeth. Yeah. Cull Eternal, number one from IDW.
0: It's 32 pages for 3 dollars Robert E. Howard's other barbarian king, Cull, returns here in a futuristic version that pictures Cole the Eternal defending humanity from reptilian usurpers. Uh, so it's
4: like Hex when Jonah Hex went to the future instead of being a cowboy.
0: Well, no, because I think Cole is immortal and has been around for a really, really, really long
4: time. Uh, so he's not like time traveling, he's just still around. Yeah,
0: this is called Cole Eternal. Oh, sure. So I think he's been around. Fair enough. The story jumps through time as well, shifting very suddenly from a futuristic winter setting to an ancient kingdom where we meet a younger King Cole. That, like King Conan, grows weary sitting on his throne thinking about his past adventures, yada, yada, yada. Artist Luca Piazzara's panels were wonderful. He has a a style that's equal parts Edward Rizzo and Lee Weeks. Unfortunately, the story was too long-winded and boring for me, and seemed to rely on a love for the Cole character that I just don't have.
4: Funny how that happens with a character, with a book about a character.
0: No, I'm just saying like... Yes, it's about the love of the character Cole. I think they expected you to come into this with a lot of knowledge of Cole lore. Sure. Right? And I just don't have that background. It it demands something of the the reader. I wonder if anyone out there really does have that much. I don't know. Jared 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 Savinas does. Yep. This is a beautifully drawn comic, but just kind of a bore to read. I'm giving Cole Eternal a skimmet. There was one scene that, like... In the beginning, these guys come back in the snowblowers and they're like, Halt! Stop right there! What's the code word? And they're like, um, uh, we don't really know. How do we know we can trust you? It's been like eight hours. Why don't you tell us the code word? And they're like, oh, well, everybody knows the code word. bang uh, bing, bang, doom. And they're like, kill him! And they're like, well, you guys fell for that? <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like, uh, duck season,
4: rabbit season. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: like, what the hell? <laughs> Clue number one from IDW, 32 pages for $3.99. It's certainly a mystery. <sighs> wink
4: why this property was ready for a comeback in comic form of all things but writer Paul Aller and artist Nelson Daniel were up to the task I love Clue the story behind it at least I'm terrible at the game the movie is amazing I thought this was going to be lame but it was true to the classic tongue-in-cheek spirit of the original version Nelson Daniel was a bizarre choice for artists. Horror like, artist, Nelson Daniel? This guy has worked on some grisly stuff. Yeah. But his work is great here. And Didn't he just used to be Nelson?
0: Like no, one no, name? that's a different person. Oh, okay, okay.
4: Plus, he's given all of the characters modern redesigns that are great. And in the spirit of the film, Aller and Daniel have created three variant endings for this issue, which are found in different versions of the comic. Congratulations, Comic fans, I got all three endings because I had a review copy. Yeah, you
0: can't be pissed because you buy variant covers. So I mean, at least, well, like, at least you don't have to different. buy them, right?
4: Yeah. And each ending offers more clues about the mystery of Mister Body's killer. I went in expecting very little. Clue number one was a funny, nostalgic surprise. Buy it; it was
0: good. That's a hard one to nail.
4: Yeah. Gem and the Holograms Infinite Number One from IDW, thirty-two pages from three ninety-nine. I'm gonna say this before you start. Okay. Sometimes I think you pick comics. That you have no business reviewing? Yes. Why would you choose this when you know how you're going to feel about it? Well, let's see how I felt about it. And you surprise me sometimes.
0: Gem and the Misfits feud finally comes to a head in the only way it possibly could. A cross-dimensional caper that will pull the two rival bands into a different reality where the holographic tech that gives Gem her look, a.k.a. Synergy, Showtime
4: Synergy, has
0: been used to enslave the world. So, of course, the only thing that can save reality is a girl pop band. Kelly Thompson yeah. wrote an irresistible script that kept me turning the pages and reminded me why a young Matt Bomb watched Gem intently and, and pretended he was just waiting for the transfer. Because Gem
4: was a superhero. Yeah,
2: totally.
0: IDW is so damn good at mining your 80s childhood memories, and their gem comic is just updated enough that I wish young girls today were as excited about it as I am. Gem <laughs> Infinite gets a huge buy it. I would say that IDW
4: is iffy on <laughs> Mining your '80s childhood memories because we have not been super kind about their Hasbro stuff.
0: No, I, yeah, I'll give you that. I mean, but I don't know the Atari stuff they're doing so far is really good. That's dynamite. It, oh, it you're right. That was dynamite. But I mean, in general, IDW does yeah. a pretty good job with all their licenses. Yes. Defenders number two for Marvel is 32 pages. It's 3.99. This is just the in-your-face re- Matt Bomb review.
4: Yeah, this is the uh, this is the in-your-face section of the program. We don't normally review two issues of the same series in a row on THN, but I needed to take this opportunity to publicly tell Matt that he was completely wrong about this comic.
0: I didn't give it a leave it.
4: Listen, you need to go back and listen to that review. You skim it. I went into issue one with his lukewarm review in mind and was completely blown away. Issue number two was even better. Yes, Marvel really wants you to know that there's a Netflix show coming, but other than the name of the series, maybe... I didn't find any obnoxious marketing nonsense. And there is a chance that BM Bendis knows these four characters in particular better than any others in the entire Marvel universe. Adding in the truly stunning art by David Marquez, like for real? It's gorgeous. There were some pages that I had to stop and stare at. It's gorgeous. It makes Defenders a must read Marvel book. I've been down on Bendis in recent years but Defenders seems like a return to his glory days, and the art is absolutely phenomenal. It's a huge buy it from me. I don't know what the fuck you were smoking last
0: time. I I spelled out all my problems with it. You can revisit last week's episode. I did. I listened to your review, and I thought it was bullshit. Those one-page spreads, man. They're just like, what are you doing?
4: (laughs) They're introducing the characters for people that don't know the characters. I
0: get it. We're done with this. Moving along.
4: Why is it called Millennium, the
0: girl with the dragon tattoo? Well, Millennium is the name of the magazine that Stieg, that uh the main character worked for. Okay. But I don't know why they called it. I think, uh, sorry. I think because uh, the book was called the Millennium series, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, The Girl That Kicked the Hornets Nest. Okay, so Hornet. Millennium colon,
4: the girl with the dragon tattoo, number one from Titan. It's comic book size for comic book price. You didn't yep. write that down.
0: Titan's hardcase crime imprint brings Stieg Larsson's novel as adapted to comics by writer Sylvain Runberg and artist Jose Homs to the U.S. for the first time. This was printed in Europe. We're getting a translation. Normally, I don't care for comic novel adaptations, but these creators have an uncanny hold on the tone of Larson's dark and gritty crime series. Each panel is wonderfully detailed and colored while Rundberg's script hits all the major points of Larson's novel without skimming over anything that you'd be afraid to miss. I burned through these books when they were must-read stuff 8 to 10 years ago, and this first issue captured everything I loved about both the books and the Scandinavian films. The Titan Hardcase Crime imprint has been very impressive so far. And while I wasn't desperate to read an adaptation of Stieg Larsson's Girl with the Dragon Tattoo novel, I have to say this was a masterful work, and I'm excited to revisit this dark and unsettling story, giving it a bias. It was amazing. It was great. Yeah, I mean, there's something about European comics. Like, when they really nail it, they just make American comics look bad. (laughs) They really (laughs) do. Sure.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Boang! That is your ludicrous speed round and is the sound of Elmer Fudd clocking Batman with the butt of his shotgun as seen in the pages of the Batman Elmer Fudd special. This onomatopoeia of the week was suggested by Anno Cyanus on Twitter. He's Anno that guy.
2: Yeah.
4: Uh, also, another Elmer Fudd sound effect suggested by Brian Dominguez on Twitter was punch.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Which
4: is the sound of, also the sound of Elmer Fudd hitting Batman but with his fist. Right. If you want to submit some pistol whipping on a hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, whatever, send an email to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. go to the twoheadedanerd.com and while you're at twoheadednerd.com, you can check out the NRA's least favorite nerd, Aaron Myers, and his ludicrous speed reviews. He's on a little hiatus.
0: His work has been
4: very difficult lately.:
0: I really don't care, and that is not my problem. Myers, people expect this shit. Get back to work. Remember the hacker collective, Anonymous? They served as a vigilante force on the internet, exposing the lies of the government, shutting down websites of the evil. Well, now they've taken on the task of exposing NASA. Earlier this week, Anonymous posted a video claiming that NASA was about to reveal they had direct contact with alien life. Well, if it's true, the spooks at NASA aren't talking, but... Joey and I decided, just in case, let's head to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, fire up our magic radio telescope, and tell our cosmic buddies to lay low for just a little while here, okay? Joey, while we broadcast these clicks and bleeps, why don't we talk about our must-read comic picks for next week? How much of that is true? That's absolutely true. They posted a video (laughs) saying that NASA had direct (laughs) contact with alien life, leading me to believe this is not the same anonymous.
4: Uh, yeah, okay. (laughs) My pick for next week is Sacred Creatures, number one from Image Comics with story and art by Pablo Raimondi and Klaus Jansen. It's 72 pages for $4.99. That
0: is a price tag, man. That's great.
4: Uh, I picked this on one of our Drunk Nerds Guide uh, previews a couple months ago. Here's your solicit. When the supernatural forces maintaining the fragile balance of power in this world start to unravel, Josh Miller a young college grad and an expecting father is caught in the middle of a vast conspiracy, threatening to tear apart the foundations of humanity as we know it. As myth and reality collide, Josh finds himself on the front line of a battle against an enemy dating back to the beginning of time itself.
0: You don't have to read the rest.
4: No, uh, I'm only, uh, there's a bunch of stuff about legendary who's it's Klaus Janssen, uh, that just points out that this is their first ever creator-owned series for these two creators. Neato.
0: Yeah. I, it sounds cool. $4.99 for 72 pages? That's crazy. That's cray cray. That is cr- that is craze. Damn. Matt, what's your pick? My pick is Unholy Grail number one from Aftershocks, written by Cullen Bunn with art by Mirko Kola. I saw this on the list, and for some reason I thought it was that Frank Thierry Aftershock book. No, that's the other one. That one's called Pestilence. Oh, yeah, that's about like zombies in the time of King Arthur. All right. This is 32 pages for 399. Arthur Pendragon was the king of all Britain. His story is legendary. Merlin, Lady Lake, Excalibur, Camelot, yada 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 as we like to say. The Knights of the Round Table. But these stories are bright lies painted over the truth. Here is presented the gospel of Arthur's bloody rise to power and his unholy reign. The legend of King Arthur is not the stuff of legends, but the fuel of nightmares. As Arthur descends into darkness, is there any lingering hope that he still might do something good? Whoa. This is what Cullen Bunn does best. Yeah. Creepy, supernatural, historical, fiction. And I love Mirko Kolak. I do, too. It's going to be gnarly. It's the Cullen Bunnazons. Yes.
4: The THN trade of the week goes to Not Drunk Enough, volume one graphic novel from Oni Press. <laughs> Great title. Yes. Story and art by Tessa Stone. It's 160 pages for 19 That's a deal. Here is your solicit. Logan is a repairman in the wrong place at the wrong time, which is a creepy corporate lab in the middle of the goddamn night. After fighting off a freaky creature, he joins forces with three other poor souls trapped inside the building. Who are they? I don't know. What are they doing here? I have no idea. What the hell is going on? Why do you keep asking me? And will (laughs) any of them get out alive? I can't answer that. The first in a brand new series from the mind of Tessa Stone, who also is responsible for the graphic novel's... Hannah is not a boy's name.
0: <laughs> I, I agree with that statement.
4: And Buzz. <laughs> or maybe that's one graphic novel called Hannah is not a boy's name, Buzz. <laughs> I,
0: th- I think I'm it's I'm not two. sure. I'm <laughs> pretty sure it's two. <laughs> uh,
4: it was just, it kind of caught my eye. The name is what caught my the eye.
0: Title. Not drunk oh, enough. Yeah, boom. Uh, yeah, Tessa Stone. It looked kind of fun. Pick of the week. I'm in. So there's our picks for next week, but... We want to know what you nerds think we should be reading. Why not drop us a line on our Facebook, our Twitter? Hit us up. Send us some links. Tell us what you think we're not paying enough attention to.
4: Matt, the Chimelians are pretty pissed off about us canceling the Cosmic Party. But the good news is it should be even easier for you nerds to get through. Remember, one call per nerd, please. So you'll find out that means did not stick to that
0: exactly this week. A little girl called us.
4: Open the phone lines!
0: Now that we've unshackled the internet, here's how it works. You call us, 402-819-4894. You can find that phone number on our website. You can find it on our Facebook. There's a little call now button. You just click that. You don't even have to know the damn number. You can do all kinds of stuff on this show. It is your show, and we want to hear from you. You should
4: know the number, though. Tattoo it on your forehead.
0: That's true. But But make sure you do it backwards. Yeah, Yeah, so when you look in the mirror, you can see it. But most importantly on this show, we discuss the question of the week. Can you reset that for me real quick, Joey?
4: This question came from none other than Da Orca, as suggested in his Postcards from Da Orca segment on last week's show. Yeah, it was beautiful. He wanted the listeners to choose the creator whose work with a character, in their opinion, surpassed the work of the creators that came before them. Orca's example, which you'll hear again later, was Jason Aaron becoming the modern heavyweight champion of Thor, taking the title from Walt a
0: Great question. Guys, if you can't get through live, keep trying. Or you can also leave us an MP3. It's just an email to twoheadednerd at, at gmail.com. Or leave us a message anytime. You can always call the Ziggurat line. It's always open. So feel free to do so. But right now, let's get into it, man. Thank you for calling THN Cover to Cover Caller. Who this?
5: This is
6: D. D.
0: What's happening, what's bro? What's
6: up, bud? Hey guys, Uh, sorry I missed you guys last week.
0: That's all right.
6: Heard you were traveling? Uh, Yeah, I went back to my hometown, Georgia. Nice. Nice.
0: You're a hard traveling hero. Look at you.
6: Always. (laughs) Please don't make that my nickname. (laughs) (laughs) The hard traveling hero.
0: (laughs) What do you want to rap about, brother?
6: I always ask this question, but I ask it in different ways all the time. Um, What was the last hard hitting story you read in the comic book world? I know, like a lot of people have a lot of different stories they read in the past couple, like say ten or twelve years, and we get like sort of like like saga, and like, you got a little saga, in the and wicked and divine, and even like uh, Jason Aaron's book. uh, Can't think of the name of it right now. The book Alabama Southern Bastards. Oh, Southern always. Bastards. Mm-hmm. Yes, God, thank you. you. Just split my mind. We have stories like that, and I'm gonna say like either DC Image, IDW, Boom, Dynamite. What's well, like the last? Story that changed the way you guys thought everything. What was the last story to do that for you?
0: You know what really hit me, and it was one that I really enjoyed, and I believe Tom King stopped writing it because he just got busy with Batman. But it was Sheriff of Babylon over at Vertigo, and it was about basically an American officer tasked to find out who the serial killer was on a military base in Baghdad. And it was amazingly written. It was so well done because it showed like the differences in American culture versus the Iraqi culture that they were dealing with, the way that their police wanted to handle things, the way that this guy, this American soldier was trying to handle things and trying to work with their police officers. And it not so much like abject racism, but just like two cultures viewing the crime of murder in different ways. And, not understanding so much like what a serial killer is when you come from a essentially a demilitarized zone where people die all the damn time, you know? Right. Oh, it was a wonderful story. Really good stuff.
4: Yeah, I like Sheriff of Babylon. Uh- um, You know what? The I'll tell you what, and this is 100% serious, sincere, not a joke. The last comic book I read was from this week that really just knocked me down and proved to me that comics can do anything. I know where you're going. It right. is that goddamn Elmer Fudd, Batman
0: team Demon. up comics. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I would. I, haven't read it
6: yet. <laughs> it,
4: I heard people talking about it. I, I read saw, it this morning. I saw people talking about it online, online, just falling down, talking about how great it was. And I'm like, there's no fucking way yeah. that this comic <laughs> book can be as good as people. And I am not kidding. I read it. And like, I hope, now I believe anything. Comics can do anything. <laughs> and
0: this should have been way more difficult than the Lobo Roadrunner one, okay? Like, that one writes itself. <laughs> Somehow, Batman and Elmer Fudd turns out to be a masterpiece, you know? Yeah,
6: groundbreaking, apparently. It's <laughs> just
0: ridiculous. What about you, D? I What's hit you recently?
6: Recently, honestly, it's, it's close to nothing. I am loving the reverse stuff. Like, I'm, I'm hard-horted eating this completely up. I guess it was, if it was anything... It would have to be the new Superman. Like him, yeah. Lois, and John Kent is, is, is showing me Superman in a different light. Like yeah. He's, 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 he's still standing for the same value he has, but he's a little bit more on edge because he's always keeping his wife and his son protected at all times. And I, like, that do makes like,
0: I like the Super Family a lot. I really do. I didn't makes, think I would care, but I like it a lot.
6: He's a different guy now. Like, he's still Superman, but he's a little bit more, uh, I guess, tentative when it comes to being Superman. Yeah, it's, just, it's a it's a different view, like, and like, I I share Superman's ideals completely. And seeing like the way he handles himself in his, these new situations with his son and his wife is—he's a family it's man. Interesting. Now. That's it. Yeah. I mean, he's
2: a
4: family
0: man, and I love it.
4: And like, it's I really, weird. I really appreciate how DC, specifically in the Superman title the the self-titled Superman title uh how DC is giving us a Superman that feels familiar yeah but right. is is actually telling a very different story for the character like
6: just double. a lot of adventures he had before but they're just told entirely different
4: right and and just like going for it going full on with like yep married with a kid yeah it's a different dynamic yep. than we've had in Superman books and oh yeah you know even when, even, even when Superman and Lois were married in the nineties, you know, oh, up yeah. until the more modern day, yeah. it, it could have, those stories could have been told with them being unmarried sure. and they would have been very similar. Yeah. It
6: would have um, been the same. Yeah.
4: But now I think the Superman, the Superman book, the the dynamic between those characters and really uh, what makes that book different is that it's not just a Superman book. It is truly an ensemble.
0: Yeah. It's a super it's family. It's like a team a book, book, right? Yeah. Yeah.
4: Um, yeah. I love it. I I totally agree.
0: D, always good to hear from you, brother. Thank yeah, you very, very much for your call. That was some thought-provoking shit as usual. We appreciate it.
6: <laughs> take it easy, Otherwise, yeah. it
0: just devolves into burps and farts here. So you know. <laughs> thanks, D. <laughs> take it easy, brother. Take it easy. <laughs> uh, yeah,
4: man. Superman, love it.
0: I'm loving Superman right now. I didn't now. know he was gonna go that direction with it. I really liked it too, though. I like where how he's working. Like they can take something as deceptively simple as Superman and show you like a family story for the character. I love it. And it changes everything, like we said. Yeah. While we're waiting for someone to hit us, why don't we go to our first voicemail?
4: Yeah, okay.
0: This was left about a week ago on my dumb birthday. I think this was somebody
4: that tried to call into last week's show and missed the mark. Is that what it was? Yep. Let's see what they did.
2: Yeah.
3: Hi, I'm calling in for the question of the week, and uh, my answer is Providence. Uh, It ended how... All H.P. Lovecraft stories, too. Uh, just monsters everywhere. <laughs> and I uh, it. That's pretty much it. All right.
0: Guys, bye. Providence is a great answer to the last week's question of who stuck the landing for a story. However.
3: Who the hell was that?
0: We don't know who you are.
4: Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> it sounded, I think, you remember a couple of weeks ago, our new caller, the guy that just like saw us talking about something on Twitter and decided
0: to call us out of the blue? Maybe. Uh, I think it may have been him. Could be. Got to introduce yourself. We'll never know. Tell us who you are. Yeah. Come on. Just saying. You're never going to get laid on this internet if you don't introduce yourself. Yeah.
4: Reveal your your shame in public. That's what we're here for.
0: (laughs) Uh, I did not read Providence. Providence was excellent
4: because I did not want to read any Avatar uh, Alan Moore books after the
0: after the one. It didn't go. It didn't go to that place. It, the <laughs> Necronomicon. It didn't go to that place at all. There, were, there wasn't you know a bunch of weird like tentacle orgies, <laughs> I guess, for lack of a better term. <laughs> Let's go to the Orca. He's the one that came up with uh, this question that we are talking about this week. The heavyweight champ.
5: Hiya, boys. Thanks for using my question for the question of the week. Though I suppose the way I wove it into the postcard, I didn't leave you much choice. Yeah, thanks. Anyway, I kind of answered this question already with that postcard. My answer is Thor. And anyone who wants to dispute that, I will challenge to a duel. I beat Aaron Burr, and I'll beat you Fox. <laughs> but to give another answer... I thought we'd play a fun little game today. Kind of my take on two truths and a lie. Okay. So I'll give you three examples of creators that put a good stamp on a particular character or book. And two of them, I really believe, in. one of them maybe is a gag. See if you can pick out which one. Okay, this will be fun. First up, James Robinson on Airboy. You only needed four issues to totally change how everybody will think of that character forever. Second answer, Tom King on The Vision. Yeah, it was in a long one, 12 issues, but I doubt anyone will ever think of The Vision again yeah. without thinking of his fictional family. And finally, Mr. Greg Land, who for <laughs> years and years has been doing his best to revitalize... The underwear section of the JCPenney catalog. (laughs) (laughs) That hack. Anyway, great question. If I do say so myself, can't wait to hear everybody else's answers. Kiss, kiss, boys.
0: Tom King's a vision. I'm not as big a vision guy as you are. So maybe there's other vision stories that hit you in the past. But I don't think anybody has done the vision like Tom King.
4: Yeah, I mean, there's not... Yeah, yeah, I would be hard-pressed to come up with um, 10 really great Vision Oh, stories. sure, sure. Not that he's not a great character that has been in many great Avenger stories, but Avenger or uh, but Vision-centric stories like Yeah. Uh maybe the first one, uh, even in dragon Cry,
0: I guess. Right,
4: is is the yeah. number one on the list, Tom King's Vision of course. Um people myself included will have a soft spot in their heart for the Vision in Scarlet Witch books in the 80s, or when he got disassembled and he came back with no memories. Like, so there's a handful of moments, but Tom King really took that character and made something special. Oh, yeah,
0: definitely. Without a doubt. God, that's, that, go pick that up if you haven't read the Vision yet. I know we've gushed about it over and over and over again. It was amazing. Yep. Simply amazing. Thank you for calling THN cover to cover. Caller, her who dis?
4: JD you gotta catch them all. JD! Oh yeah. From the Marvel Lake House. How you doing, brother? We're gonna try not to delete your phone call this time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
7: good, I'm good. I'm actually not calling from the lake house this time. So oh, okay. hopefully their connection will be better.
0: Okay. I was gonna say, did you jump forward in time? Oh hold on. Let me uh there we go. Sorry about that. Let me turn this ringer off real quick. We don't want to interrupt right. you. What do you want to wrap about today, brother?
7: Uh well answer of the week, I guess I'll start with. Okay. Uh, my uh, I, I is new enough that I I'm, I think it might be controversial, but uh, I'm just I'm confident. I think that the history will play out. You know, boy, we'll look back on this being the right answer. Which is, I think the new heavyweight champion of the Wildcats and Wildstorm universe is Warren Ellis.
0: I would say returning champion. Like yeah, I, w- I would say returning yeah. champion. Like Ellis came in changed Wildstorm for the better, took a, I mean, actually actually wrote a story that these poor dumb artists couldn't write. (laughs) And and then left. And Wildstorm sort of toiled and went through whatever and got sucked into the DCU and then farted back out and who knows where it was going. (laughs) And then the champ came back and showed he still got the, he still got the, you know, the fists and got in the ring and boom, took the heavyweight title back. Oh yeah.
7: and I mean, if you follow his blog or anything, he's got the next 50 or 60 issues, plotted.
0: it. Yeah, I love right. it. Yeah, he had a long-term plan for the Wildstorm. Yeah. I love it. And it strikes me from it strikes me as stuff that he wanted to do years ago, but just realized that eh, oh, yeah. there's no market for it, or it's fallen off, and now I got other shit I want to do at the time. I am so glad he's back, and the Wildstorm book is so good. God, it's good. Oh, yeah. Ugh. Yeah, that, that
2: level of plausibility that he gives to
7: everything, that is just so... I don't want to say realism because it's obviously fantastic, you know, high science fiction, but just the plausibility and the groundedness, all the way down to something as silly as making the term wildcat make sense.
0: Right. Right. <laughs> you know? Warren Ellis thinks of this stuff. That's how his mind works. Yeah. Like, he pitches all oh, this yeah. stuff like a movie script. Like, he's not yeah. trying to sell it to every nerd that reads comics, he's trying to sell the idea to a person the same way you would throw a movie out there, you know, and say, okay, this oh, yes. isn't okay. just for the hardcore nerds. This is for the public. And it is a very believable superhero universe. It feels like you could turn on CNN and see something like that happening and go, Oh my God, you oh. know, <laughs> where, where is this? this is this in New York? Holy crap. You know? Yeah, I totally agree. So yeah,
7: that's, that's my answer. I'm, I'm just happy Warren Ellis is writing so many good books
0: right now. I'm and, uh, you know between that and injection which is my favorite book on the stands hands down injection's so damn good i love
4: that comic god it's good i'm 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 being a little quiet because i'm behind on everything that he's doing <laughs> but uh, I, I did really love i i keep rereading the first uh, the 3rd issue of the wildstorm because i can't remember what issue i'm on so i'm like oh here oh here's here's the wildstorm let me get back into it and i'm like ah oh, shit i've read this already <laughs> So I just have to, I have to figure out where I where I left off.
0: JD, thank is you for The third your-
4: issue the one is is the third issue the one that uh, Grifter
0: comes
7: back. Yeah, Grifter's yes. in it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I, that one's so good. And I love the fact that they never call him Grifter.
0: I know. <laughs> Cause it's a dumb code name. It's like you're like my code name's con yeah. man, or you know, yeah. <laughs> my code name's blackjack but dealer. You know, like you're like stop it. That's a job, <laughs> you know.
7: <laughs> but he still, but he still uses the map.
0: Yeah, still the same guy. He's all creepy and kind yeah. of existential. I love him. Cole Cash <laughs> and his, yep, and his Cash. brother Max Cash. <laughs> so stupid. Max Cash. <laughs> JD, always good to hear from uh, you, brother. And I will rap about the Wildstorm with you anytime you would like.
4: Excellent. Talk right. to you later, nerd. All
0: right, have a good one. See you, Jeff. I wonder if Max is going to pop up. We haven't seen him yet.
4: Yeah, you know what? I don't know if they're really deep diving into the Wildstorm universe
0: <laughs> at this point. Like, God, I don't, I so. I'm not
4: really expecting any guest appearances by Cybernary. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I think she, no, she was Wildstorm. Yeah, she was Wildstorm. Yeah. That's right. I was going to say she was maybe Top Cow, but no, she came from like Gamora and all that. That was a whole thing. Ooh. Thank you for calling THN cover to cover caller. Who this? Willow. Hey there! Who are you? <laughs> Hello? Hello?
6: What? Oh! D's daughter.
7: Dee's daughter.
0: Oh, Dee's daughter. What's going on? How are you doing?
2: Uh.
0: Good. good? <laughs> you have That's had good. phone conversations before, right? <laughs>
6: Quite a I don't know why she's flipping right now. <laughs> Ask your question.
0: You got a question for us? Um, yes. Hit me. Who, who, is your, who, who is your favorite kid superhero? Favorite kid superhero. Uh, that's a good one.
4: Yeah. Man, mm. that's tough. Let's see. Uh, you know, uh, do, you, do you ever watch Teen Titans Go? Yeah. I love Beast
0: Boy. He's, m- he's my favorite character on that show. I like Beast Boy, too. But he's not my favorite. I think right now, my current favorite, sort of a weird kid superhero. It's in the pages of a book called Black Hammer. Her name is Golden Gale. And Golden Gale is, like, an eternal kid. She's like a, she, she oh, got an her, old woman. Yeah. Is, but she got her powers when she was a kid, and she her alternate ego got older, but every time she turns into Golden Gale, she's still a little kid, and right oh, now wow. she's trapped That's in a, a little kid body. Shazam. It's such a cool idea, like a different take on Shazam. Oh, I love yeah. it. I love it. It's like a, a reverse <laughs> Shazam, yeah?
6: Like reverse Shazam. Totally.
0: Thank you for calling us, Dee's hey, hey, daughter. Hey,
6: hey, hey. <laughs> she she wants to give her favorite, too. Oh, yeah? Who's yeah, your what? favorite?
0: Uh, my favorite
7: is Batgirl. That's a good one.
0: Batgirl's pretty awesome.
4: Do you like, um... I'm trying to think of... Is there a Batgirl... Is there a Batman cartoon on the air right now? There's Justice League action. Uh, Yeah, Um, there's that. There's
6: that, the all-girls show.
4: Oh, the
0: DC superhero girls. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
5: Yeah. Yep.
0: That's a fun one. What about Supergirl? Do you watch Supergirl?
7: Uh... Yeah.
0: Okay. (laughs) You had to think about it. I had to
7: think about it for a second.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for calling us and talking kid superheroes with us. That was awesome. What's your name, sweetie? Willow. Willow. Thank you very much for your call.
7: Bye. Okay, bye. bye.
0: (laughs) Have a good day. (laughs) She's still getting used to the whole, you know, phone call thing. Hey, you
4: know what? She does better than I do on most phone
0: calls. Fair enough. <laughs> it's not easy. I understand. Oh, come on.
4: What if he doesn't want to talk to us? What if he didn't want to talk to us He's live? Too shy. Your call has been forwarded to an automatic mm. voice message like,
0: system. The Warbringer. Seven, stop, zero. stop. Stop. <laughs> like, yeah. You have reached
8: the Warbringer. <laughs>
4: uh, well, I guess we'll just have to play his voicemail we'll when we get it. to it.
0: We'll play his voicemail.
8: What's up, fellas? It's the Warbringer. I'm calling in to answer the question of the week. I've been on a long hiatus, fighting wars and things. Um, but my answer of the week is, or my answer to the question of the week. Wait, is that right? Fuck, it is now. Um, <laughs> the creator that surpassed everything um, and the creators before him, I'm going to go ahead and say Jeff Jones with Rebirth. New 52, despite a few gems, was a total shit show, and he had to fix everything, and he had to surpass everything. Um, and he set DC on a path of greatness so far. I mean, I, it was a little bumpy here and there for certain things, but for the most part, I mean, he fixed, as best he could, absolutely everything. So in my mind, that's how he surpassed all the creators before him for the entire DC universe for New 52. Anyway, that's my answer, and uh, I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.
0: Okay, that's a very solid argument. Like, saying, without Jeff Johns, we don't have the DCU as we know it today. This current DCU. I mean, that's... That's a very solid argument.
4: It, uh, I mean, not to downplay his contributions, but if it wasn't him, don't you think it would have been
2: somebody?
0: <laughs> no. I don't think it would be as high quality as
4: it is. Or do is. you think
0: Jeff Johns is the reason? What I'm saying is, Jeff Johns, I think, is the editorial reason that these creators are allowed to tell the stories that they want to tell without this, as we used to call it, the heavy hand of DC editorial telling everyone what they need to be doing. I think Jeff Johns is. The Triple H of DC, basically. I don't understand. What and that Dan means. Didio would be the Vince McMahon, you know, or like, no, business as usual. We want to do everything the old way. You'll notice we haven't heard Squat from Didio. I haven't heard anything from that guy in months. Well, I mean, his, he's in all the press releases and stuff. But I'm yeah, sure, he's- but like, he's not, I'm, he's not sticking himself out there anymore and saying, oh, we're doing this and I'm in charge of this and this is happening. You know, I think they figured it out. And they're saying, you know what? Let the creators create. And I'm guessing that's Jeff Johns.
4: Yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to down... Like I said, I'm not trying to downplay Johns' contribution because I, I guess my question is, would DC Editorial have listened and recognized the problems that people were having with the New 52 and made this change? Would they have made this change? Would they have made a different change? Would they have just let the New 52 continue? right. I'm just curious, like if Jeff Johns had not been the one, would there have been, would we still have had a DC Rebirth? Uh,
0: probably, yeah, but I don't think it would have been the same. Yeah. I really don't think it would have been the same. I mean, I think, I mean, I think been,
4: Jeff Johns was probably the best, de- was probably the best choice Yeah, at the company.
0: And to, I think he's been fighting for this control for a long time.
4: To embrace the things that were, were lacking and bring back the things that were Lacking in the New 52.
0: Yeah, and I, honestly, I brought up Dan DiDio sort of shrinking into the background because I think he really has. I think they've turned to Jeff and said, all right, look, we're not doing it right. If you got this shot at it and everybody trusts you, you're a beloved creator, everybody wants to work with you, take the reins, go. And it's working. It's I totally mean, it's
4: working. working for me, certainly. I'm, I'm, I'm more invested in the DC universe than I was at any point yeah. in the five years previous so.
0: i'm gonna say he's dc's new heavyweight champion
4: i know that i know that jeff Johns gets a lot of flack these days sure and everybody
0: does give me a break
4: yeah i mean anyone that sticks around long enough right is is gonna and i'm not saying it's totally undeserved uh, i'm i'm but I'm a fan still yeah and i'm yeah he he did You're, it for me i am
0: too you can't hit him all out of the park To I me, get it. he he righted the ship to me yes and i would say i'm still solid 75 25 with Jeff Johns and his work. You know what I mean? And that's not a bad number at all. No, no, no. I mean, yeah, it's a, uh, what is
4: that? Like a, well, I mean, I guess it's a 750 batting average. Yes, <laughs> <laughs>
0: exactly. <laughs> Which is really good. <laughs> you <know>? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Talon. That was quick math, by the way, Joe Patrick. Wow. Well, I mean, I, you know,
4: <laughs> I was going to be a math teacher at one
0: point. Impressive. In another life. Caller, hold on one second. All right, caller, you are live on THJ, Cover to cover. Who this? Harvey Locust. How's it going? Where you been all my life, baby? I thought he was dead. Yeah, they told us you were dead.
9: Well, they make me work on Saturdays, so it makes it difficult to call in. But I snuck away this week to
4: nice,
0: nice. I'm just glad that body they drug out of Carter Lake wasn't you. You know. (laughs) (laughs) What do you want to rap about, brother?
9: Answer of the week. Hit I'm, us. I'm kind of, I'm kind of debating. I'm kind of stuck between two answers.
0: Well, let's work it out. Let's work it out right here.
9: All right. One's a writer. One's an artist. Okay. The writer is. I got to go with Snyder uh, his
2: work on Batman. Okay. Yeah, that's a good the, uh, solid choice. Hmm. Solid choice.
9: Yeah. The uh, uh, I, I nominate him. Especially for the work that he did on that first Batman annual with uh, redoing the the Mr. Freeze story.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God, that was wonderful. It was, one sh-
9: it was, oh, God, it was really good.
0: And I feel like and Snyder, like, there's been some criticism of his Batman running a little too long or having a, a few too many events or whatever. But I don't think you can deny that he breathed new life into the Bat franchise. Absolutely.
9: Yeah. Yeah, and my other, my artist pick was going towards uh, W. H. Williams the Thirty for his panel work in Batwoman. Oh, oh, oh yeah, J. H. H. Williams. J.
4: H. Williams, yeah. Yeah, um, w- yeah, that's it.
0: Boy, I—that uh, is a tough call. He's a super talented guy. My only—and this isn't even a gripe—because I understand that art like his takes a long time to do. I would say his body of work needs to be a little larger before I say, like, yeah. hell yeah, that guy. You yeah, know but I mean? we're talking about one specific body of work. Right. That's what the question's all about. I suppose, I mean, you could say, like, his Batwoman. Yeah, when I picture Batwoman, I picture J.H. Williams Stronger.
4: The reason yeah. the reason I would lean, because of the way the question is worded, right? right. It's, it's about who who came in and surpassed the work of people that came before. Right. Um, That's- I don't really know, I can't really...
9: Say he's surpassing anybody right like
0: yeah because jh williams set the bar this is basically a new batwoman yeah we know that batwoman the character has existed before but nobody really ever did anything with it. like her. i i would say jh williams basically set the bar for this character yeah like he's the current reigning champ we'll say that
4: um so i think i think uh
0: Zack snyder
4: <laughs> i think scott yeah. snyder is a
0: zach snyder's little brother scott
4: yeah right yeah i think i think he's a great choice because yeah before he came on board
9: yeah, there's I, many, many. The bat books were
4: that. were up and down, yeah. And, and like like any character that's been around for eighty years, you're gonna be able to pinpoint some bright spots. But before the before the new fifty two reboot, I don't even really remember what was going on in the Batman books.
0: Yeah, it was they yeah. were rudderless. I mean, basically. And I think I, you know what Snyder did? He brought the onus back onto Batman. Whereas yeah. the bat titles for a long time there were just like. Batman running around in this event, or this villain's coming for Batman or whatever. Snyder went back into Batman as the star of the book and made it Batman-centric, not an earthquake that happened, not a kidnapping that's taking place or something, but how this character deals with both himself and everything that's going on around him. And that is the most interesting part of Batman.
4: And he really put a good, fresh... uh, He took a a fresh look at a lot of his villains as well. Not just, not just Batman, but the supporting cast Gotham city itself, even. Yeah. So, I mean, I think
0: Snyder is a, is a great choice for this question. I think Snyder's your answer.
9: Yeah. I think, I think he wins out hands down
0: Harv, We did it together. All
9: right, guys. Thanks a
2: lot. (laughs) Thank you for your call. We we workshopped it.
4: (laughs) Call us anytime you need us.
0: Okay. (laughs) All right. (laughs) See you pal. Yeah, I feel like Scott Snyder took some undue flack.
2: No, I mean, on.
0: look, it's. It goes back to what you were just, that theory. Just you stick it, around long enough and.
4: It, his work is not without its flaws. Sure. And, and I'm not, I'm saying though that the Batman franchise is stronger for him having been in it.
0: Almost oh, definitely. And uh, I don't think, like the stuff that we have right now, the Tom King Batman, the detective comics by uh, Gleason and. Um, no, no, no. It's um, I'm sorry. Detective Comics is... Who is it? It's... Uh, what can I say it?
4: It's James Tinian.
0: Sorry.
4: It's James Tinian fourth is the writer of Yeah,
0: James we don't have what's going on that is so great in the Bat family and the Bat universe right now without Scott Snyder starting that fire.
4: Yeah. I, I, think, I think definitely he fits the bill for this question.
0: So screw you, Scott Snyder haters. You're wrong. There you <laughs> go. There. I said it. All right. Let's go back to James Randall and let's do this right, shall we? We're just going to start at the beginning.
10: G'day, nerds. Jimmy Randall here sending in my answer to uh, cover the cover, question of the week. Uh, so heavyweight champs in the writing department who managed to unseat those that came before him. Um, I'm going to go with Jonathan Hickman, Fantastic Four. Um, really good question, really tough to really honestly think about it, but when you get the world's greatest sci-fi writer, Dealing with the world's greatest sci fi superhero team, it was pretty much just a winner winner chicken dinner all around. So that's my answer to that. Um, But I got a question for you guys. I don't know if you've seen uh, Nickelodeon doing their reboots next year of shows such as The Fantastic Rocco's Modern Life and Hey Arnold, which was also quite palatable. It just got me thinking because the 90s had some absolutely killer. Killer cartoons, especially on Nickelodeon. Just want to know what if you guys have got any fond memories, what was your favorite? Um, yeah, I mean for me personally, you can't go past Ren and Stimpy. That was just oh, yeah. one of the greatest shows oh, my of all time. And Rugrats. Also like Rugrats. I'd like to see a, you know, a nice new take on Rugrats. Couldn't stand the answer. Um, so yeah, Nickelodeon cartoons, Jonathan Hickman, it's all happening up in here. And that's it. Jimmy out. <laughs>
0: It gets me every time. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> you gotta get that looked at, Jimmy. Where I'm starting to worry about you, man. Oofda old Nickelodeon cartoons. I couldn't hang with Rugrats. Here's the thing we are old. I
4: and we were not watching no, Rugrats. That, that was... We were not watching Nickelodeon's cartoons in the
0: nineties, man. Okay, look, I was. Or I mean, uh, like, hey,
4: Arnold and uh, Rocco's Mo- like. No. I watched. I
0: loved Rocco's Modern Life. I
4: didn't watch that I shit.
0: I loved Rocco's Modern Life.
4: When I was for watching, Sheldon the
0: turtle that was a germaphobe and he loved comic books but he hated touching the pages.
4: <laughs> when I was watching Nickelodeon uh, for, as a as a youth, it was in the eighties and. The glory days
0: with Danger Mouse sure. and Count Dugula Love and stuff Danger like Mouse. that. Banana Mon. Banana Mon. <laughs> <laughs> and the tiny little super guy. Remember him?
4: Uh, yeah. Inch, uh, Ooh,
0: he's a tiny little super guy. And they were there like, it was all like. Inch
4: High Private Eye?
0: Something or like that. Or is that this. something else? No, that's something else. But uh, yeah, it sounds familiar. But yeah, I like. You're thinking of 12 inch pianist. <laughs> <laughs> Guy walks into a bar, really, uh, little, really little piano and a 12-inch pianist.
2: <laughs>
0: Good Lord, man. Get a hold of yourself.
4: Look, if you didn't surround my uh, workstation with
0: obstacles every week. Rugrats just never did it for me. And you know why? I can't stand adults doing baby voices. It drives me nuts. I just can't stand it.
4: I mean, it wasn't going to be babies doing baby voices. They have to be able to
0: speak. I get it. But I just, there's something about adults doing baby voices and that like raspy kind of thing. I I hated it. Wow. The animation was fine. I didn't have a problem with that.
4: Yeah. I mean, I I guess maybe when these shows were on in the nineties, I was more gravitating towards uh, things on network TV, like the Uh, tick. Sure. Uh, the
0: X-Men cartoon. But I mean, you were aware of these cartoons. Oh, you no,
4: know, I'm aware of them, yeah. but I just wasn't, I, I wasn't, I didn't travel in that circle.
0: I will watch uh, the new Rocco's Modern Life because I loved Rocco's Modern Life. I mean, it was, it was not like a little kid show. It, like, kids could watch it, but it was definitely smart humor. It was geared towards adults and kids. Great show.
4: Um, suddenly, I'm trying to think of the...
0: Hey Arnold, on that, right? that was a kid with a football <laughs> shaped head, right? <laughs> sure. Yeah, uh, he had a head shaped like a football.
4: You're not thinking of Doug, are you?
0: No, no, no. Doug was like had like a quail thing coming out of his head.
4: No, there was a character on Doug called Quail Man.
0: Oh, oh, that was Doug. Yeah, he yeah. loved Quail Man. That was his favorite comic book.
4: It was like a character he created. No,
0: Doug didn't have a football head. Arnold had a football shaped head.
4: Okay. Oh, yeah. Like a literally like a horizontal. Yeah. Rip. Yeah. 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 You're right. You're right. That is hey Arnold. Um.
0: That rimp noise was me doing a, a, a football. Yeah, you were tapering. Yeah, yeah. For those who can't see us. <laughs> Uh the This is why we'll never win a podcast
4: award. I am suddenly I'm suddenly <laughs> trying to remember the name of the cartoon that starred Louie Anderson. It was on Fox in the
0: 90s. I think it was called It was called Little Louie, wasn't it or something like that? Life with Louie. Life, Life with, with Louie. That
4: it? Yeah. It was it, it's a weird time where uh Grown ass, yeah. Life with Louis. Grown ass comedians getting
0: cartoons starring themselves as babies. It was all the Simpsons, basically. They were, and Fox is like, "Oh crap, we'll take, we'll greenlight everything." And instead of going, "Hey, Louie... but these you, were not like this wasn't like the Simpsons' hard edge. No, 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 not well. Life with Louis was not a little kid show though. Either.
4: Yeah, it was. It was on Saturday mornings. Was it? Yeah. Was it really?
0: Yeah. Okay. And then
4: there was also Bobby's oh, World, yeah, it was which Fox was about Kids. Howie Mandel. Yeah. Or which starred Howie it Mandel. It wasn't about it Bobby. Was about, it was
0: Bobby uh, Mandel doing a baby voice. Howie
4: Mandel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, baby, baby, I'm baby. Yeah, right. Yeah.
0: Okay. Babies don't sound like that. Stop it. You know? <laughs> well, I mean, he wasn't a baby. He was like a, like a little kid.
4: but Yeah. It was such a weird time. All these adult comedians getting <laughs> cartoons.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Not like it doesn't happen now. I mean, there's like seven on Netflix <laughs> right now. F is for family, BoJack Horseman. I mean, like...
4: (laughs) But those are adult cartoons. Right, right, right. Right? I get
0: it. I get it. Jimmy, thank you for your call. Thought-provoking shit, man. I love a good cartoon. We've got a Google Voice call here. I have no idea who it's from. Jason Sachs. It says it right there. It does?
2: Yeah.
0: Oh. Oh, yeah. Now it does.
3: I just... Hey, guys. Jason Sachs here. Uh, Sorry for not calling the last few weeks. It's been a busy time. I've been partying. My new book, uh, Jim Shooter Conversations, came out through uh, the University Press of Mississippi, and I've been walking around on stoke so I can feel like I'm seven feet tall and put myself literally in the shoes of the giant science (laughs) creator. Anyway, uh, I'm calling because uh, I'm thinking about what series has surpassed the genius of the original creator, And I'm going with uh, a series from really one of the greatest comic creators of all time. You'll be shocked to hear me uh, talk any shit about him. Of course, I'm talking about Rob Liefeld, probably (laughs) the uh, finest cartoonist we've ever seen. Uh, His work was uh, a work of uh, singular majesty and brilliance. And maybe his greatest creation is the guy with the glowy eye. I'm talking about Cable himself, the man with the big gun. He's being serious. uh, The mute to... uh, you know, was all about making sure that everyone had HBO and ESPN back in the day. Um, so it was really hard to think of, like, a run greater than Liefeld's original run on uh, New Mutants and an X-Force. But uh, there's a great run by uh, Joe Casey and Jose Ladron on cable yes. in the late 90s. That yes. was really freaking amazing. So Ladron, first of all, is this cartoonist who, like, started out drawing, like, this super swipey Jack Kirby style and evolved into this amazingly bizarre hodgepodge of Kirby and Mobius and this kind of surrealistic brilliance of like energy and power and overly rendered colored uh, 90s awesomeness. It's written by Joe Casey, who, uh, you know, has never been like a great writer to me, but did such an amazing job of humanizing. The uh, mutant with the glowy eyes and turned him into something that was just incredibly special. It's just really like one of these amazing runs of Marvel Comics gotten completely forgotten, but it completely reinvented the character. So, in summary, Rob Liefeld, brilliant. Jose LeDron, maybe not quite as great, but equally as fucking psychotronic. Thanks, guys, and I I went every two minutes. Hope you don't mind. See you later.
0: We do not mind sexier. It's good to hear from you, but I got to cut you off because somebody is calling us. Let's see who this is. Thank you for calling THN Cover to Cover. Caller, who this?
1: Oh, hello there, lots. How are you there? I'm my uh, first time, long
0: time calling in.
2: Oh, Oh my God! God!
0: (laughs) How have you been? We haven't heard from you forever. I mean, like, yeah, I realize it's your first time, you know, but it's good to hear from you.
4: (laughs) I mean, welcome aboard, caller. <laughs> yes, welcome aboard, indeed. Oh, thank, yeah, thanks
1: for thanks for watching. That's a great welcome from you, too. I like that. That's great. <laughs> what do you want to rap about today? Oh, no, you know, well, I think I sent you an email, probably about some hour um, ago. You know, with my, uh, my new fiance. we were traveling across the UK, visiting, looking at all the sites there. Sure. We were in Glasgow, Glasgow, Scotland. And, uh, you know, we were out there the night before at the pub, having a, a wee bit of a meal there, and we saw this little flyer. And it said there was a, a museum exhibit called the art of comics. Yes, So we went there the next day and turns out it was Frank Quietly. And he's the one that designed oh, the yeah. art of comics. Here it is. And there it is. There's a picture that if you see that, that's us there with Frank. There he is. That's his, the subject line. That's his true name, not his uh, stage name, pen name, whatever he calls himself now.
2: Really? But, uh,
1: yeah. So we went to the exhibit and uh, it's a wonderful exhibit. Even if you don't get to meet Frank there, he's not there every day. He just happened to be there that day. Um, but, yeah, if anybody's there, it's, uh, it's absolutely beautiful. You get to see his art. It's 12 feet tall, and oh you're seeing God. his panels blown up, and it's just amazing. Not to mention the actual art that he's done. You know, you know his blue papers and his blue lines and all the things. And you've got Grant Morrison's script is there, and Mark Millar's
0: script is there. Yeah. That is was, unbearably cool. <laughs> oh, my God. really, really amazing. Yeah. And yeah, he, was just there. he was just there hanging out. You happened to go check it out and he was just there.
1: We were there and we were walking around looking and I see him and he's talking to this lady, a nice young lady. And I'm like, I think that might be Frank Quietly. And you go around the corner and there's a video of people interviewing for the exhibit and there was on the screen. So then I knew that was Frank Quietly right there.
2: That is so and cool. And he was
1: interviewed for the paper. Yeah, he was talking to somebody from the paper about the exhibit. So I went up, talked to him. He was great. Super sweet guy. It was really neat. Yeah. Wonderful.
0: Wonderful. That, uh,
2: that little is so
1: cool.
0: <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. I'm totally jealous. We, we just looked at the picture. That is amazing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, it was pretty great. No, it's uh, wonderful. So I wanted to share that with you guys. And anybody, 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 the listener, if you're there, if you're in England, if you're in Scotland, go by Glasgow, go to the exhibit. It's great. It's They're up until October. So if you're going to be there <laughs> and even the ones across the pond listening on the show, go up to the exhibit and see it. You'll love it.
4: There you go. For those of you that are already there, get in your car, drive down the street, go view the exhibit.
0: Right. I'm going to be there actually in November. I'm going to miss it. Damn it. All right. Are you, yes. Are you making a joke? No, are you no, actually no. going I'm to? No, I'm going in November. <laughs> Casey and I are going in November, and I'm gonna. Oh, that sucks. Thank you so much for your call. First time, long time, and that is an amazing story.
4: Look, I know we just, I know we, I know we're only speaking for the first time, but I right. feel like I've really missed you.
0: Yeah, you know, it's just like you're, it's like we're lost souls or something. I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it's been, uh, it's been a wee bit busy in my life, but things are starting to get back to normalcy. So maybe. Maybe I don't know. Maybe there'll be another long time between the first time. Not long. Time. I
2: don't,
1: it, whatever. I might. You might talk to somebody again. I don't know.
0: But, uh, I, yeah. Fair well, enough. I guess we'll see how it goes. Yeah. We'll see what the <laughs> fates toss us. <laughs> Thank you, brother. We'll talk to you soon. I hope. All right. Cheers, lad. All right. The return of first awesome. time one time. I'm so happy that oh,
2: made my
4: man. day.
0: I am so happy. God, I missed that guy.
4: Uh, I'm gonna use this picture as the uh, the picture on the show notes, uh, every if you go to TwoHeadedNerd.com, yeah, yeah. or as my
0: Matt likes to call it the twoheadednerd.com the two-headed Uh
4: every post has, of course, a very lovely picture to accompany it. Usually it has something to do with what we're talking about. Yeah. I'm gonna post this as the the featured image. Take a look at uh first time long time and his uh and his wife and Frank quietly and uh giant 12 foot tall picture of all-star Superman.
0: That is too cool. That is too friggin' cool. I am jealous. Oh, all right. Let's get back to the, to the meat of the matter here. What were we even talking about? We were talking to Jason sexier. Oh, and he was talking cable. about cable cable. And look, we all make fun of Rob Liefeld. We all do. And I've defended him on the show and I'm going to do it again. Without Rob Liefeld, we don't have some of the stuff that we genuinely yeah, love we don't about have, Marvel comics. We don't have Feral. Right. We don't have Feral's sister. Right. We don't we have, have. Bullet? <laughs> Who's Bullet? Bullet was the guy that could shoot his hand off. What? Who were,
4: <laughs> what are you talking about? Bullet.
0: That was his name. He was part of Cable's like, uh, super you team. You mean
4: Kane? His name wasn't Bullet. No, Bullet.
0: His name was Bullet.
4: No. There was Kane, who was like a terrible what, cyborg. What was the name of his group? The. Uh, the six-pack. The six-pack. GW Bridge, Grizzly, Domino, right. Cable. I love... Kane and a sixth guy who
0: better not fucking be Bullet. I'm pretty sure his name was Bullet. GW Bridge, Hammer, Domino, Hammer. Anaconda, Solo, Deadpool. No, that's modern. You need to go okay. back. Cable, Garrison Kane, Grizzly, and Constrictor. Mm, uh, uh. Can you
2: Constrictor? I do love Constrictor, though.
0: This is the guy I'm thinking of. The guy in the red. Him. It's Kane. Kane. That's Kane. Why am I thinking a bullet? I, I don't, don't know. I have no clue. Regardless, we don't have Grizzly, and I love Grizzly. Although <laughs> I believe Grizzly died on M Day.
4: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe yeah. he got no more mut- mutants. Or oh, no,
0: no, no. He got the virus, and he died. He died of the legacy virus. Oh, maybe. Yeah. yeah. He didn't go. He didn't get no more mutants. Look,
4: <laughs> no, no, no more mutants. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
0: I don't know what else we would call that when the Scarlet Witch turned mutants off.
4: No no, no more mutanted? No more mutanted? (laughs) No more mutanted. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you know what? You're right. The six-pack...
0: It's worth it, it's worth You've it. You gotta defend Rob Liefeld, though. Look,
4: I'm he, not the I'll, dude changed comics,
0: he changed you, comics. You're, you're like nobody was complaining about Liefeld, I know, no, so, but I'm saying plenty of people do. And you yeah. and I both started laughing when Sachs started talking, we were yeah, like, because oh, I think he
4: was go. because I think he was kidding about the brilliance of cable. I don't think he totally was in his original inception. Um, but listen, whether he was being sincere or being facetious, we can definitely agree. That that run of Cable by Joe Casey and Ladron is
0: amazing. Yes. It's so oh good. Oh my God, it was good. And where is Ladron? All he draws is like elephant men crap every once in a while. I don't care about elephant men. I've tried to read it several times. As far as I can tell, it's about big animals that have sex with gorgeous girls. <laughs> maybe that's it. I, and Maybe it is. Maybe and maybe, you, maybe that's what he's interested in. But maybe you on, hit the man. nail on the head right there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Joe Casey really did breathe life into what is otherwise a pretty wackadoo character. Cable was kind of one note, did his thing, didn't die. Then they didn't know what to do with him, kicked I mean, him around for a while.
4: Cable really had no business having his own ongoing series yeah. at the time it started. No. Uh, other than the fact that he was insanely popular, there wasn't much to him.
0: No. Because they had not yet revealed the history of his parentage. Well, and I had a feeling that they like their original plan really was to have him kill Apocalypse and die. Like the prophecy. Maybe. And then they went, oh, he's a little too popular for that. <laughs> Let's have not that happen.
4: (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, uh, Ladron and Joe Casey came in and they really just did something special with that character. Um, It had a lot of, uh, a lot of focus on like the religious aspect.
0: Yeah. uh, The whole Ascani son. Which was
4: touched on a little bit previously in a couple of books here and there.
0: Not like what Joe Casey did with
4: it. But yeah, it was really fleshed out and, and ingrained into that character. Uh, and then he had that cool spear.
0: Oh. Igor Corday worked on that run too, didn't he? No, that was way later. Oh no, you're right. That, and that was X Men. That's so.
4: when it became Soldier X. Yes,
0: that's true. Yeah, I don't know. I can't remember why they did that. I don't know. I don't remember either. It, it was, was like sh- a short thing where like the X Men were in hiding or something or like. No, Deadpool no, no. Added- it had
4: nothing to do with that. It was all. It was just. It was like the Bill Jameis Marvel era where they were like, we're gonna. Ch- we're just gonna make something cool and arty, right? About like there was like a different Deadpool. X Force became X statix right? Yeah. There was a different Deadpool book going around. I don't remember
0: around. what that was. Like Marvel remix or something. I, don't, I
4: know. don't even know if there was a name for it. But yeah, know.
0: it's like the X books were in a weird place. Yeah, let's it was waste right no around, more talking. Those it was right suck.
4: around the it was right around the time of Grant Morrison's New X Men and Marvel was trying to New X Men everything.
0: Yeah, for the most part. So, all right, we got it, uh, another voice. Thank you, Sax. First time, long time, wonderful call. That was great. Let's go to Scott Clark. I'm not sure. Uh, Long
11: time listener, uh, first time caller, he says.
0: No relation. Yeah. Well, I mean, it probably can, it can happen to anybody.
11: Hey, Joe and Matt. Um, I'd like to introduce myself. My name is Scott and I come from Cog Falls, Ohio. Um, I'm a uh, longtime listener and this is my first time calling. Um, I guess the reason why I haven't called in the past, uh, guiltily enough, is because I tend to be a shy, awkward kind of guy. But I definitely did have an answer for your question. So I I wanted at least uh, try to make an MP3 uh, and force myself to send it to you guys. Um, I guess if you would allow me to travel back to, say, 1984 or 1985, um, there was a small company called Eclipse Eclipse Comics Um, they were making a comic called uh, Miracle Man Uh, and it was my first introduction to Alan Moore I just it blew my junior high mind at that moment. Um, Just the the adult themes that went into that comic and um, just the ideas that he presented to us just all inspired me. Um, So when I learned that he was leaving the comic, I was very disheartened uh, until I found out that Neil Gaiman took up uh, the reins and um, again, my, my mind was blown and he gave us more of a mythos of the Miracle Man character instead of like giving us to, the character outright. Um, and um, there was one particular issue where these four individuals had to scale um, this, this staircase uh, for four days to get to the top of their Mount Olympus. And uh, they all got to ask one question of Miracle Man. And uh, that particular issue, among other uh, moments in comics is my reason why I read comics. Um, That issue blew my mind and I absolutely loved it. And so I guess that is my answer. Um, It was Neil Gaiman's um, Miracle Man that surpassed Alan Moore's Miracle Man. Um, So I guess that's my answer, um, and I guess maybe someday in the future, maybe I'll call back, but uh, I uh, thank you, guys, and uh, I'll talk to you later. Scott. Don't
0: threaten us, Scott, okay? Quit being shy. Get confident, stupid. Come <laughs> on. <laughs> then welcome aboard, buddy. Yes, awesome. Yeah. I love it. I totally agree, though. I, I really liked Alan Moore's Miracle Man. There was... Definitely a a horror aspect to it. There were things that were happening in superhero comics that I didn't know could occur in superhero comics. And Neil Gaiman came in and sort of injected a soul into the story. Whereas Alan Moore was... It was great. I'm not trying to take anything away from Alan Moore's run. But Gaiman's run was different. I get in it. Sense you hate Alan Moore. I get it. It was just different in the sense that he built a soul for the character. It wasn't just this like awful scary story about what superhero powers could do to a person. It really kind of gave a different look of like how people viewed Miracle Man as like, sort of a god and whatnot. And it was a much more lighthearted take on it as well. There were still terrible things that happened. In the game and run, but I enjoyed the game and run way more than Alan Moore's. I did. See, ha. We'll talk of this in I a moment. N-
4: I have nothing to add because I've never read
0: Miracle Man. Sorry, shameful confession. Okay, moving on. Good lord, man. Saved by the Bell. Thank you for calling THN Cover to Cover caller. Who this? This is what's up? Ah! 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 What's up, O-Mac? How you doing? <coughs> Oh,
12: keeping busy. How about you? Well, you know. Hey, I didn't even check out the question of the week. What are we talking about this week?
0: Oh, Christ, (laughs) Aura.
4: All right, so (laughs) this week's the question of the week is uh, which creator surpassed the original creator for a particular character? Like, for example, uh, Jason Aaron surpassing Walt Simonson with his work on Thor.
0: Yeah. Like improving upon who, the who, legendary creator that had a legendary who, who, run.
4: Who made it better?
0: Yes. Uh,
4: legendary
12: run. Um, let's see here. So like my, my pick would be something like, you know, Jim Valentino on guardians of the galaxy. Right. Whoa.
0: um. Uh. <laughs> but,
12: is that out of the
0: bounds? See, as a matter of opinion, it's hard to say you're wrong, but... Yeah.
4: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I love
7: that
12: book.
4: <laughs> Look, if well, it wasn't for Jim Valentino's... I mean, If it wasn't for Jim Valentino's Guardians of the Galaxy, we would not have the James Gunn Guardians of the Galaxy movies. I just
0: want to say two words side by side again to point out how weird they sound. Jim Valentino and legendary. Okay? Let's just kick that (laughs) around. (laughs) Yeah, what's the problem? The legendary Jim Valentino, creator of Shadowhawk, Jim Valentino. (laughs) You know,
4: I will say this about Jim Valentino. Um, He's not the strongest
0: artist. No. But that never stopped him.
4: He is <laughs> he is kind of quietly behind the scenes a very strong yes creative force at Image Comics. Yes. He's still with the company.
0: Yeah, people love Jim Valentino. And, and they love working for him.
4: Yeah, so Jim maybe his niche in the comic world was not drawing comics, but No,
0: it was not. Um he's doing good things. Nor was it designing superhero costumes.
4: Hey,
7: look.
0: Uh, I'll go back to Shadowhawk. That <laughs> <It> was dumb.
4: <laughs> but hey, I look you give me give me Charlie Twenty Seven with his mandoliers and
12: yeah. Oh my gosh, yes.
4: Uh, Vance Astro. Now you're,
12: now you're speaking my language. Like I'm I'm all,
4: I'm I'm with you, Aura. We're on the same wavelength. Oh Mac
12: guys, I lost I lost my mind at the end of that movie, guys. I'm like. sure you did. We could, I could
0: hear you squeal from another state. You know. Yes. <laughs> like, oh, geez. I believe like, I turned to Joe Patrick and said, "I bet Aura McWilliams is losing his." fucking mind right now.
12: We can see your um, boner from here. Like, like I, w- I was there with my friend Josh, and like, you know, they had, they had you know, one of the, the, the stingers, you know, and, right. and for the next day. I don't even remember what happened before it anymore. Nothing happened before it, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and, then, and then that one came
0: on. Are you okay, okay with like, them being space pirates? Are you okay with that? Because they're not the same guys. They're like, all, all right, right, let's go steal know, some shit. You know, like, that's not I'm, what the Guardians used to I'm, do. I'm,
12: I'm sort of the, the movies aren't going to be the same. at sure. The end. Like, okay. And okay. I mean, I mean them them dealing with Yondu the way they did like right. prepped me up for it. Sure. And I I ended up liking Yondu just fine. So
4: are you reading so the it, Are you reading the current Guardians of the Galaxy comic?
12: I'm not caught up, but yes.
4: Um, I I haven't read it yet, but I'm pretty sure Yondu shows up in the annual that came out this week. And
5: As, a, as, as and the current Yondu from the, the movies. It's the
4: Michael Rooker <laughs> Yondu from the yeah. movies. Yeah. And I just like, uh, the continuity nerd in me is just like losing his shit every time they do well, something like this. Well, to
0: be fair, we got all pissed off about the new uh, Nick Fury. And we were like, come on. But like, should oh, we that have to? Oh, new be?
12: Nick Fury book is fucking awesome. Oh, it it's is, great. Yeah. It's great.
0: No, but I just mean when Marvel went, all right. Nick Fury, yep, he's a black guy with an eye patch, just like in the movies, right? But he's a different different character. Well, but then they gently went, but it's not the Nick Fury that you think it is, it's his uh, kid. He just happened to lose his eye too. (laughs) No. uh,
12: Hey, hey, by the way, all of that contrivance, completely unnecessary. (laughs) Right. I
4: will, though I'm not a fan of how, I'm not a fan of what happened to the original Nick Fury, um, I will say that at least Marvel very slowly... Massaged that yeah, character into sure. the into the Samuel L. Jackson Nick Fury. Like when he first appeared, he had a different name. His name was like Marcus something. Yeah, and uh, yeah, like he and they, as they slowly revealed, it's like, oh yeah, your dad's Nick Fury, by the way. And oh, terrifying injury. Uh, now you only have one eye. Yeah,
0: like he didn't become Nick Fury until way later. No, no, no. I'll give you that. Um, I guess in, in regards to Yondu. I like the new Michael Rooker Yandu way more than old Yondu. Uh, so if, it doesn't bother me. If there was just like, <laughs> w- if
4: there was one line in the, in one of those movies about how Yondu, uh had come back in time, I'd be fine with it. <laughs> I'd be like, just, just give me one thing. Just yeah. tell me that he's from the future. That's it.
12: Well, that was the, what was, if that was what they were originally kind of saying was the, was the deal with it. I thought was that like, His name wasn't Yandu. He just ended up stealing that from a guy. That you know, and Uh, and the the the, the seed was planted. That it was like, oh, oh, because
4: oh, (laughs) yeah. They definitely alluded to that. Well, fine then. Let me let those wheel let my wheels turn on their own. That's fine. Absolutely.
0: So we're okay with it. Michael Okoye and uh, Yandu and Guardians. We're fine with it.
12: it Well, I, I I haven't read the annual yet. Let me let me hold judgment.
0: But like Aura said, you know that version of the character and his performance of the character is right. is super fun so yeah, it's great Omak, oh, good to hear from you what brother thank you for finally friggin' hey. calling
12: i'm uh, well I've been, i tried to get in a couple of times and you guys were too friggin' busy to talk to me so well, you know. i think i think you're victims of your own success in some ways
0: well, that's your problem to deal with, not ours.
12: Hey uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ride the uh shortest, steepest uh train line in the in, in the world in a few minutes here. Okay. But let me uh let me let me real quickly uh if I don't know if this is when this is coming out, but uh you guys are at Ocon too, right?
0: Yeah, we'll be there. Yep.
12: Saturday. So I uh, we're gonna we're gonna be all over Ocon as well. So Cool. Um I I think I saw a thing on Facebook that, that Joe and uh Spencer are working 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 their magic on, on some sort of thing too. So. Oh
4: well, okay. Uh Spencer and I are <laughs> the thing Spencer and I have been talking about is unrelated to either one of our podcasts. Okay. Uh, Spencer and I are both fans of a of a podcast called The Adventure Zone, which is a uh and a D podcast that this family this this group of brothers and their dad Right. Uh, it's the same guys that do My Brother, My Brother. Yeah, and me. yeah, I'm aware of it. Uh, and we were talking about doing a, an Adventure Zone like fan meetup at O' Con. That's all that was. Oh, fun. Uh, And and, yeah, Yeah. we found
0: exactly two other Omaha fans of the Adventure Zone. There you go. Which is why we're not planning a THN meetup, because it'll be embarrassing (laughs) when three people come.
4: Uh, Oh, so (laughs) I guess if you are- (laughs) And one of them is you. (laughs) you If you are hearing this episode and you are a fan of the Adventure Zone or any of the uh, various McElroy products, come at us, O-Comic-Con, next weekend, July 7th, 8th, 9th, I think are the dates. 7th, 8th, 9th. Uh, And yeah, we'll be there. It's going to be a party. Absolutely.
0: Awesome. OMAC, we'll see you there.
4: Yeah. Yeah, we'll see you there, friends.
0: All right. See you, bud. Sorry if that ran into a long or as an old buddy of ours and we're just doing some catch-up time. It's our show, so deal with it, sucker.
2: Yeah. Let's go back to the Google voicemail. I got to click that first so it's not so anticlimactic.
13: Hey, nerds, what's up? It's Shonix. Uh I didn't send the MP3 this week. I'm calling. But I always leave a message, hey, I got to say, Josh Whedon, for me, I got to say for me, because I was a big Claremont reader for a long time, and huge Claremont reader, loves his X-Men, and still love those, still love them, Wordy, still love them, Exposition, yes. But what he did with the size from X-Men, he came on board and took those characters that I thought the voice was created through Claremont. He made new voices for these characters. He made a Scott Summers that I could, like, cheer for and really get behind. And uh, then they did the big, like, writer's mix-up at uh, Marvel, and then I stopped reading a lot of comics. And that's that's another thing. I I had to agree with the Orca, like, with the big exodus from Marvel. I had to agree with him, but then totally disagree with him about Jason Aaron on Thor, because Walt, Walt Simonson's run surpasses anything I've read from Aaron so far. So, all right,
0: kids. Peace. Starting beef with the orca. Bad I mean, idea, look, man. I get it. That guy will stab you. It,
4: it's It's a hard thing. It's going to be a difficult thing for a lot of old school fans to say, hey, this iconic thing has been surpassed. Right. And so I get it. Not everyone's going to get there. But the Orca just really hasn't, has it in for Jason Aaron. He just really loves the guy.
0: I look, I'm the biggest Walt Simonson Thor fan in the world. I think he's right. I think Jason Aaron's run has been better, more creative, more stable, and just better. There, and we forget, there were throwaway issues of that Walt Simonson run. Like in the middle of it, all of a sudden we but, got like the battle in the shadow of the zany.
4: Sure, story, okay, but you know, like, comics were different then. Yeah, I, I agree. Now everything's like long thought out, long term sure. plan. Sure, a huge storylines, multi part epics. No, it's back like, then you right. had just like
0: it's like random. Having, I- you just had random issues. It's just like the Michael Jordan, LeBron James argument. Like right. basketball was different, so it's hard to know. I mean, um,
4: I I saw a thing on Twitter. Somebody put something up on Twitter uh, that was a clip of. An old basketball game. Okay. And they are like, man, basketball was garbage. Yeah. Pro <laughs> basketball yeah. was garbage. Oh, it was. And it was pre-Jordan. Yeah. And I'm not kidding. It was it was like watching
0: It was a game of fundamentals.
4: It yes. <laughs> it was like watching high school or college yes. age kids play basketball. They're good.
0: Well, even college basketball has come a long way. Right, right. (laughs) But,
4: and you know who was in this fucking video? Larry Bird and Dr. J. Yeah. I mean, they were. uh, Or Magic Johnson, not Dr. J.
0: Um, And I was like, yeah, oh my God. (laughs) Like, Larry Bird. (laughs) And it is, like, the most boring two minutes. Well, Larry Bird was an outside shooter. He wasn't, like, this dominating, take it oh, to the but paint, I you mean, know. <laughs> it, but on Dr. The, J had the skyhook, baby. On Come on. On the
4: top ten <laughs> list of the greatest basketball players of right. all time, half of the people in this video are on that list, and it was, like, it was, like,
0: molasses. Well, but still, you you have to you take a, the history into account with the ideas and what they were
4: this doing. This is what I'm saying. This yeah. is what I'm pointing out about, about 80s comics, right? Mm-hmm. You know, er, people are going to come. Oh, I don't know. It hasn't happened yet. But, like, I'm surprised somebody hasn't come on and said, like, yep, I love so-and-so's Fantastic Four more than I love Jack Kirby's Fantastic Four. Right. Which is crazy. But comics are just different. Different eras. Sure. And so it's kind of a hard thing.
0: Yeah. Well, you've got to weigh it with what was going on in the history and all that. Yeah. Thank you for your call, Shonix. Absolutely. Graham Morrison, of course. New uh, X-Men. No, no, no,
4: no, no. He was talking about joss whedon astonishing oh X-Men. i'm
0: sorry joss whedon yes astonishing x-men much beloved book i i just need more before i could say that he's surpassed you know
4: uh it just felt like more because it took forever to come out
0: there, there's that yeah <laughs> <laughs> we just need more i need a slightly larger body of work before i could say that
4: i need more than i need more than 24 issues in four years
0: i would say grant morrison did it though on x-men that's not my final answer but grant morrison absolutely Oh, just nailed the X Men until it ended kind of well.
4: But okay, it this is more, this is more than this is where it gets kind of hard, right? It's more than just saying this character, this creator did a great run on this book, it's saying specifically, right? I'm saying that Grant Morrison did a better job with the X Men than Chris Claremont and John Byrne did with the X Men. That's what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, but that's like, that's the goal, right? right? It's like iconic run X. Is wonderful, but I
14: think Jason Aaron's run is sure,
0: better. Sure, sure. All right, we got another voicemail here.
14: Hey, Joe and Matt, this is Travis from over here in Connecticut. I'm calling in with my answer, of, uh, the answer to the question of the week. And I just wanted to say that I think James Titan IV has totally taken the belt, uh, belt and title of best team book writer away from Chris, Chris Claremont. His work on his run on Detective Comics is amazing. The character interactions and development is beautiful. I mean, Oh my God! And I think it was the anniversary issue. I almost was in tears like reading the story <laughs> with uh, Cassandra Kane and the ballerina. And oh, oh my God! And then yeah. there's all the stuff. But Feeling bad for Clayface as he struggles between like using his powers and losing his humanity. And oh, and then there's the great interplay between uh, Azrael and Lucius Fox's son. I uh, choose his name, me right now. But and they had a great discussion on faith. Uh, it's the best team book ever. I mean, it rivals the stuff that Claremont did on. Any X-Men book and New Mutants, which is like my favorite X-Men team. Uh, so anyway, yeah, that's my answer for the question of you guys. Love the podcast and um, hope you call in some more. Have fun, guys. Bye.
0: Travis, is this your first time calling? I'm pretty sure. We don't have any pins on the board in Connecticut, do we? I don't think we do. I think it's the first time caller. Welcome, Welcome aboard. aboard. Hey. I like what he did there. He is taking the question, tweaking a little bit and saying heavyweight champ, team book writer. Not just like a character. Fair, yeah, whatever. totally fair. And I don't disagree. I think Detective is the best X-Men book on the stands right now.
2: <laughs>
4: it
0: totally <laughs> I is. I mean, yeah,
4: it's a, uh, Detective Comics is a wonderful ensemble
0: yeah. cast. Far and away the best DC team book being published right now. Mm. Far and away. There's no question. Yeah, probably. I mean, really, I don't think I really even care for any other team books being published. Um, well, I don't read
4: Justice League. Yeah. Uh, I guess the only team books at DC I'm currently reading are the Titans books and Detective is better than both
0: of them. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. Great call. Great answer, too. Who is this? Uh,
2: so oh,
0: Siesta 3. I'm going
8: to say this is Black Scorpion <laughs> the 3. Yeah, Siesta 3. <laughs> hey, nerds. It's Siesta 3. I missed last week, and so it looks like I missed this week's too. Drat. Anyway. Uh, I, I did want to know what you felt about the uh, the Inhumans trailer. Uh, to me, it feels like they have officially morphed into um, another uh, uh, oppressed race of mutants, and it's like a a, a cheap X-Men instead of this mystical utopian uh, people, so that's too bad. Um, but um, I do want to chime in uh, with uh, last week's and this week's. So last week's Stick in the Landing, surprised nobody said uh, Irredeemable, and also surprised nobody said... Uh, uh, um, Oh god, I'm blanking out. Rising Stars. I think both of those nailed it. I couldn't decide which one, so I never called in. And today, I gotta say, the belt for me, Fantastic Four, Mark Wade, he he redefined and made me care about Fantastic Four. They were always kinda like gimmicky to me. Uh, You you know, I I liked all the original stuff, I, I liked Burns' work a whole lot, but Mark Wade, Define them as the family. And since there's no more Fantastic Four, I guess that's a, a meaningless title to have, right? Like the, like the TV title in wrestling. All right, nerds. Hope all's well. Talk to you soon.
0: The TV title in wrestling is completely meaningless. You're right. <laughs> it was stupid. Uh, he stole my answer. Mark Wade, Fantastic Four. Really? And that's your answer? The reason that's my answer is because Dr. Doom is far and away my favorite supervillain. And I don't think anybody wrote Dr. Doom like Mark Wade did. He definitely had a man. He definitely took Doctor Doom in a really cool new direction. Yeah, and like made us sympathetic to this character. Yeah, and which we just have never had. He's always just been the Man in Iron Mask, screaming, yelling, egotistical jerk. And we got to meet his mom. We got to see why he is who he is and stuff. Ugh, Mark Wade. Well, and we nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed it. We had met his mom in the past, but no. But I mean, like, really learn about his mom. Like, really dig into it and get weird with it.
4: No, no, no. It wasn't his mom. It was his
0: like. It was his first love. Well, that too. Um, and then he ended up making her into a flesh suit. Yeah, it was <laughs> Ugh, God. Well, because he wanted to go to hell to get his mom.
4: No, that's not what that story was about. That story was about him deciding that he had failed. Oh, yeah. He, had, he was finally recognizing, Is like, you know what? I have failed to beat...
0: Right. Richards. With science. With science. So I'm going full and on And now I'm
4: going with magic. Yes. And uh, yeah, so he spends all this time like reminiscing and reconnecting with his childhood love. Ugh. Uh, just so that that love could be sacrificed and fuel his terrifying nightmare armor made out of her own skin. God so cool. damn it, Mark Wade! It was so cool. What the hell is wrong with you? It was you? so cool. Uh, God, I've been wanting to reread that run for a long time. I need. To, I might just get up
0: Marvel Unlimited just so I can read it. That's a great run. Great run. Good answer, too. Uh, yeah. Thank you, BS the Three. Final call. Oh, man. it's What a long road it's been. I know. It's the
2: first-time caller. I love this. Hey, guys, this is Nevin, first-time caller. Uh, wanted to
14: call about the answer of the week. I think it might be uh, Buckingham on Fables. He took over after Book Sticks from the uh-huh. previous artist. whose name I don't remember. Yes,
4: Land Medina. Or maybe
14: Chuck Dixon on Batman in the early 90s. took over and did, I think, over 70 issues of Detective Comics and some of the best stories Batman's had. I uh, also wanted to know what you guys thought of Alien. Uh, I thought it was great the best movie since James Cameron's, way better than three or four, probably even better than Prometheus, and uh, picked up a Jason Aaron Thor book in a Vegas comic shop this weekend after listening to your podcast on the way to town. It's working. And I also wanted to say I love the new format. I've been listening for about a year. Uh, one thing I do miss about it, though, is Stony D can't call and answer his own <laughs> question, which was always one of my favorites.
2: All right, you guys have fun. <laughs> I, w- I would like a Stony return to Stony
4: D. Uh, mm. Well, you know, he's a family man.
0: There
14: goes, D. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just love the conversations he used to have with Stony with D. With
4: himself. Yeah. Right?
0: <laughs> it was so cool. Uh, you hear that, D? You got fans out there. They <laughs> miss you. Okay, Nevin, welcome aboard.
4: Yeah, let's get one thing straight. Yeah, let's get welcome the thing aboard. Here. There we right? go. All right. Uh, Buckingham taking over Fables. Yes, absolutely. Um, I would argue that uh, for the purposes of this question, the first six issues is not necessarily a landmark run. Right. Um, But they did come out of the gate with a certain style. And while it's good, it's not great. It wasn't
0: Mark Buckingham. Until
4: Mark Buckingham joins the book. Yeah. And that... And then Fables just became something really special. That
0: is the artist I picture when I think of Fables.
4: Oh, for sure, absolutely. absolutely. I can't even
0: tell you who what the first one was. Land
4: Medina was the first artist, oh, okay, and and
0: he's dead now. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs>
4: uh, yeah, it was just a, it was a great like locked room murder mystery. Yeah, you know who killed Jack Horner, and you know it's fine. It's a fine book, and then Mark Buckingham comes in, and then you really figure out what kind of book Fables is going to be. And it's, it's one of my favorite comics ever. Yeah. That's a really good answer.
0: Who's our favorite call?
4: My favorite call is first time, long time. Yeah. Because it just filled me with such joy to hear his voice. This
0: bitch is such a long time since we've heard from him for the first time.
4: <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: right. I think I said that right.
4: I think you did. <laughs> uh, it's like that old song. It feels like the first
0: time.
2: Yeah. It's
0: a foreigner. Yeah. Feels like the
2: very first time
0: Although that was about, you know, porking Yeah, right
4: uh, You know, I'm not going to say that it felt like porking But, you know, Pardon it was still pretty good
0: Making love, I'm sorry, that was crass <laughs> Sorry, 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 I meant I meant rubbing. I meant touching dirty purples Bumping uglies, yeah uh, Thank you to everybody, that yeah. was wonderful Good cover to cover segment Fun question, we've got a super fun question Next week, everybody has a favorite base. I yeah. Want to, I want to hear from you guys
4: on uh, I, I think that our problem this week was that so many people tried to call at the same time. Nobody could get through. Yeah, And that's why we hit with so many Real voicemails. Button heads. Because most of the voicemails that we had came after we started recording yes. today.
0: Keep trying. Keep firing. We yeah. will play you if you don't get through. But keep trying. Excelsior! Oh. <laughs> That is it for THN 13. If you dig podcasts and aren't afraid of No Savage Dragon Wiener, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes. I'm a little afraid. Or wherever you choose to collect your favorite podcasts. It's not that, over, you know, I mean, at first, sure, it's overwhelming. But you'll if learn you to like relax. it. just relax. Yeah, you'll learn to like it.
4: <laughs> THN is a listener-supported podcast, and we want to send a Kirby crackling thanks to all of our supporters, like our buddy, Micah McGaffin, our latest patron and everyone else that's supporting the show on PayPal and Patreon. Without you nerds, we wouldn't be able to afford any of our favorite porn variants. It's and true. like Matt said,
0: everybody loves them. We got a bunch of them.
4: Also, and we haven't mentioned this in a while, but we have the Amazon link in the show notes of every episode. Any of the comics that we talk about on the show, that's true. go to our show notes, click the button that says shop here. Get a little kickback. And THN gets a little piece of it. It doesn't cost you any extra. Nope. So it's a way to get your comics and still support the show.
0: Or whatever else you buy Amazon.
4: Anything you buy anything Amazon, yeah.
0: Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to our old pal, Omak, Oro McWilliams, who's become such a big-shot pop culture scholar that none other than that conservative rag, The Wall Street Journal, is contacting him for quotes about Aunt May, of all things. Word to you, Omac. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics or your
4: retailer might pose nude on the cover of your favorite book. Ew. Too dark, man. <laughs> Too dark. What? This is the Two-Headed Nerd signing off.